Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now don't get mad at me. Tone isn't here. I can't do it. Danny Cunningham in for Tone today. Hello, Danny. Hi, Ken. How are you? Audio courtesy of Bally Sports. I'm well. Anthony didn't give you a key, Danny? No, he didn't. Nope. Uh-oh. Somebody said if we don't flip the switch today, we're a disgrace to Cleveland sports. He's not here. I can't flip the switch when he's not here. Wouldn't feel right. Can't do it. Wait a minute. You said it wouldn't feel right. Would it feel right to flip the switch after the win? Or would I'm, it feel right not feel right to flip the switch after because Tone isn't here? Because Tone's not here. Oh, okay. You, would can't, you, you can't do it without so him. So would you flip the switch if if he were here? Would you tune in today and go, well, Ken and Anthony are together, so the nuclear football is right there in the room. Time to turn the key together and flip the switch. I think you're, getting, you real coach, I, I think you're getting real close to touching that. I don't know if you're flipping it all the so way what's up. what's stopping you from flipping you the switch? You can't just play around with the switch, Danny. You can't just touch it and oh, then sure not flip can. it. Oh, sure record, you can. For the record, for the record, right now I am pro switch. For You've the record, to flipping if, the switch. If Tone was here, yeah, because well, I can't. His ass I can't be a fuddy duddy forever. And but now, well, now it's gonna. He's not. In, he's not asleep. They're at the hospital. They for going? all I know, the baby's being born as I as I tell this sentence. The the, Does the baby have a key. The tension. <laughs> is through the roof. Which, by the way, real quick, Jim tried to text me yesterday, like, no baby yet, dot, dot, dot. The I go, other Don't. godfather. Yeah, Jim, the godfather of... Uh, of um, Izzy. Izzy. That's why I'm not the godfather. I couldn't even remember her <laughs> name the hell right off. baby's name is. Um, it, Jim is the godfather of the constant distraction during our show phone calls. Um, and he tried to text me, like, no baby yet. And I went, nope, you're not doing this. I don't want. I do not want any updates from you. Tone has a cell phone as well. He will tell me. I don't need you updating me. All right. You're not some midwife. You're not some doula. You're Jim, and I don't need to hear it from you. Get out. You're good for sandwiches, and you're good for pissing me off. That's what you get. Good sandwiches. <laughs> That's what you get from me. Either way, I'm pro switch. I'm pro switch. I think you need to give it more time. I do. I think they play the Knicks early March. Yeah. They do this then, that switches all the way flipped. No doubt about it. But I think you have to get there. 
Come on. I think I don't want to be the wet blanket. I don't. You're being the wet blanket. I don't want to be. Yes, you are. But I don't want to be. You're the definition of a wet blanket. Everybody in the room is going, flip the switch. Everybody wants to flip the switch. The only reason I'm not flipping the switch is because it wouldn't be right to tone. Which is right. That's it. But I'm telling everybody right now, I am pro flipping the switch. I can't do it right now because tone's not here, everybody. I can't do it. 216-474-0092. I think Danny's being a wet blanket. I'm not. I don't know what else you need to have proven to you. I want to see them do this to the Knicks. See them do what? Would do what to the Knicks? Beat the Knicks. So the Knicks is the only thing that that's they, the next. They, that's the next really hold difficult on. game they've got. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, they got the Sixers twice, but, but that doesn't matter Celtics anymore. Celtics after the Knicks what about, too. What about the Magic? No, the Magic. Not, gotta they wait, got. They got a great till, start. They've been bad. Gotta wait till March third. Yeah, this oh, schedule has been taken. It's going God. to continue. It to is. Be. It's February sixth. Yeah. Do you have anything to say I over there? I can't wait till March 3rd. I got stuff to do. We're not sitting around well, till you March need flip to, it today. You need to be reasonable. If you don't flip it today. You need to be reasonable. If you don't flip it today, which game between now and then is worth flipping it you, over? There's you, not one. You don't. That's why I'm trying to get Tone to call in to flip the switch with me later. Obviously, he's very busy. I'm trying to get that done. You won't do it. He can't just step I can't. out the hall? The baby's being we got in business to attend to here. What's more important? What? One baby or a million Cavaliers fans? It uh 1.3 million. It, I don't think they were all Cavs fans. Well, there were plenty of people here who might have just been here for the party, but not all 1.3 million, not even a, a hundred thousand. They all had to be Cavs fans. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. If you think Danny's right, then fine, go right on ahead. Because this, this Kings team's a good team. They're now 29-20. and 20. You've won 14-15. You've now won six in a row. You had a winning streak of eight. Now you had a winning streak of six after. I don't know what more you want, Danny boy. I can't do I it. I don't know what more you want. What, I, what you can't do it. You're not allowed to do it. Exactly. Because it's not your switch. But you're right. telling me that you wouldn't flip the switch. That's what I don't understand. But what if you had your own switch, Danny? Jared Allen played in the game last night. We thought he was going to be out with an ankle injury. He left the game the night before, a couple of nights before. Darius Garland played. Of course, immediately people started getting in on that, but that's another conversation altogether because there is this weird contingent. Let me break this down real quick before I get to the flip the switch calls. 216-474-0092. There is a... Guys, you can, you, can, you can be interested in two things at once. You can be interested in the Browns and the Cavs. You really can do it. Now, I know that it's it's hard to do sometimes, but we like sports. It's a distraction. I can watch the Cavs during the week and watch the Browns on Sunday. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of people who maybe they just don't during the rest of the football season. And hey, basketball season does start kind of early. Basketball brings on the winter. Most people dislike winter. So part of this I actually do understand to some certain degree because there's a feel to it, and you don't have to sit there and breathe it and live it like I do. Okay, fine. And like Danny does. For that matter. But there is this weird. The people who say that they're better without Darius Garland. And I tend to agree with the other side. Because they're like well. These people are just Browns fans. Who just started watching the Cavs. They don't watch the Cavs before the Browns season. I go. I want to agree with you. But I don't want to be that guy. It's That's it, what I'm trying not to do. I don't know that they don't watch the Cavs. Because I don't want to be demeaning Cavs. to the people who are out there watching. That's all I'm trying not to do. 
But I think they focus so much of the reaction energy on the Browns to where they'll watch the Cavs on a Tuesday night, but it it just it doesn't matter to them at that point. It's it starts to matter it once is. the Browns are done. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And I think part of it too, Ken, is so much reaction comes out of every single game in the NFL. Right. The Browns win on Sunday, it's the best week ever. The Browns lose on Sunday, it's a miserable week for a lot of people. Okay. I don't know that people know how to react correctly to games in an 82-game season. Well, there's also the reaction. I, I do think some people are waking up from the hangover of what happened last year in the postseason. So they might not have taken it very seriously at the very beginning of the year. And maybe that's I'm guilty of, of that with, with the switch thing. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit more hesitant than you. Um. That no, might be I my problem. You, I think you got to get the stick out of the mud and get going there, buddy. I mean, I, I again, if you even said you wanted to flip the switch, I can't do it because Tone isn't here. Right. Bob on the road. He's next up on the fan. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, guys. Hi. Um, the only my, my only thing is I would love to flip the switch, but my only concern is J.B. Bickerstaff. The reason I say that is what's his overall record between two years ago the playoffs or the play-in games and last year's playoffs, he doesn't. He just doesn't seem like he knows how to coach. He doesn't seem like he knows the matchups. Right now, it seems like he is. But until we get to the playoffs again, I, I really don't think we should flip the switch because oh my God. we we had the uh, better, we had better athletes. We had a better team on paper than New York last year. Right? Is that something we just told ourselves, Bob? Because Jalen Brunson played really well up until the. I mean, well, hold on. right up through I, that I, series. I, I was going to say the same thing earlier in this year about Kevin Stefanski, but he finally shut me up against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. A couple of years ago, you guys had a poll on. You guys gave me the sweet chin music, but I said, until you figure out how to beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh in our division, you're you're not the best team. You're not the best coach. Oh, I didn't want to do it there. Oh, man. I didn't want to do it there, Owen. Too bad. I was I gonna, here's what I don't I get. I was going to tell Bob, Bob let's here's not ruin a good thing, from, and I didn't know you were going to do it right yeah, there. Go, yeah. go ahead, go here's ahead, go ahead. Here's what I don't get from Bob, though. <laughs> Why you make the comparison to Stefanski and say, well, they beat Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the regular season, but it doesn't count for the Cavs until the playoffs. Well, he should still technically be bitter then against Kevin Stefanski yeah. if they got well, throttled in the postseason the by so Houston. Let's keep, let's keep the streak alive, Bob. Wait, none of this makes sense. That's a terrible call to take to start talking about flipping switches. Yeah. Bob doesn't even want switches in the same building as him. Which, that's ridiculous. Not about Bob electricity. No defense. No. There is no red October for Bob. This is just. We're not going to try to take the submarine. <laughs> Jack Ryan, go work at a grocery store. This is, uh, we don't need you. This is not good. This is not good. Well, I, I mean, I'm looking at a Cavs team right now. They won 136-110. Uh, right now in the Eastern Conference, your Cleveland Cavaliers are second in the Eastern Conference. Oh, is that good? If the playoffs started today, they'd take on Orlando. Oh, my God. If you couldn't beat Orlando in a seven-game series, Orla- Orlando everybody. got off to such a good start. They've not been good since. No, they haven't been that great. They did win three in a row here. But I'm just looking at the standings right now just to make sure I was right. Uh, the Cavs have won six in a row. Uh, last night. I was watching you and I got into a little bit of a, a back and forth about this yesterday. And I mean a little bit because we, you know, there was a lot of things we didn't get to get to yesterday. Uh, Evan Mobley did shoot one three 
in this game. You want Evan Mobley to shoot more. Now, I thought he got pretty aggressive inside yesterday. However, he did only shoot one three, and you want him to shoot more. And I go, I don't I don't believe in him shooting more threes, buddy. I thought the best part of his game last night was how aggressive he was in attacking the basket off the dribble. That's what I thought. That It's not that he has to shoot five or six threes a game, but the threat of it has to be there because if that threat's not there, Ken, yeah. I don't think then you're able to see him be as aggressive off the dribble to the basket. I think it's it's not that I need him to all of a sudden be this 40% three-point shooter. I just need him to be someone that defenses are going to respect because it's going to open I, up so much more for him. But I don't. I disagree with you, and I disagree with Jason Lloyd who said it. I, I don't know if that's going to happen right now. That's my, that's my issue with it is I don't know if it just all happens at this moment. I don't know that it does, I mean, we're, we're, but you we need to see February. progress. We are in February. We've got a couple another month months left in the season. I'm not sure exactly, you know, where to go. Like I'm like, man, he's already kind of a meek player. If he's aggressive one way, why do I want to stretch it out even more? I mean, what we're getting here is with Evan Mobley, he, we might have to start taking back a couple of unicorn conversations. Okay, fine, but I because it's going to take a little bit longer. The knee injury, it hurts that unicorn con- unicorn conversation. Okay, so if it's going to take a little bit longer, I got to focus on what he's what he can be good at first. I think he can be good at, like you said, attacking off the dribble. I don't know if he's co- go- going to be better coming off the block, heading to a corner and trying to shoot a three. I don't know what his spots are on the floor from beyond the arc, to be honest with you. I have no idea. Well, he hasn't been good enough at any of them for him to have spots. He's, he's taken above he's the break. He's taken corner threes. I think... The Cavs would like it to be the corner. I'm not sure that it ever will be. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Jared and Cleveland. Jared, hello. Jared, this is John. Got to change your what name. What the Jared. hell is going on we, in there, Mitch? We, you know what? I'm from now. I'm Jared. Okay. Just okay. Keep things Thank going. You. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm not ready. I'm not quite ready to flip the switch just yet. Not for negative reasons, because I think they're on a night. Nice, they're, they're in a nice groove right now. They're trying to figure things out. They're getting healthy. And this year, is the difference between this year and last year is that the bench is contributing much more. Last year, we didn't get what we're getting from the bench. That's the biggest difference. So I'm not quite there yet, but if they keep on this road, I say you flip the switch ace as soon as possible. I'm trying to get Tone on the phone, John. It's what I'm trying to do, but he's at, the, on, he's Tone, at the hospital the right now. The baby's not that important. Get on the phone and, and help him <laughs> this, all right? The baby, yeah, yeah I mean, that. honestly, he got 18 years, don't you? What's one day? Yeah. That's the whole thing about it. If I can get Tone on the phone to do it, but I, it's got to be go time by now. If I can get Tone on the phone by the end of the show, I'll try to flip the switch with him on the phone. Well, I'm not sure if that's going to be able to be we done. We can get that baby out before about last night. Yeah, by 9 o'clock, he should be free. Boy, this is taking forever here. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. I got. I mean, I got people who do want to flip the switch. I got people cussing me out because we're not flipping the switch, and I'm going, guys. The rules are simple. Tone's got to be here. And by the way, you can flip your own switch. This is the rules of the show. You've given me a lot of power here, and I am going to wield it, as but you should. I, I do think that Evan Mobley shouldn't be shooting more threes. How many threes out. do you think he should be shooting a game? I, you know what? He can try one a game. His one a game is perfectly fine. For and if me. he makes it, does he get another one? Is yeah, it like we'll a replay challenge where no, if you're no, successful, no, 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 no. you get to keep going? No, no, no. JB throws a flag you get, out. You get one a game the arc. because I just don't believe I don't believe he's going to develop in time to take anybody away from the block and pull anybody out on defense and open up lanes for Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland or anybody else. I don't believe that's going to happen with him. 
I will say not in, by the end of this year. In the few games he's been back, I think his jump shot has looked better. I think that it has looked like a a much more competent jump shot from the outside. I do think that's true. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. We'll get back to the Cavs coming up here in a bit. Coming up next, Roger Goodell. You guys are Fatlock's going to walk into the room. I'm just going to tell you that right now during about last night because Roger Goodell and the NFL found another way to be above the law. Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham in for tone live on the fan. Now the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. Your Cleveland Cavaliers winners last night, 136 to 110. They now find themselves the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. Donovan Mitchell was asked about it yesterday. He said, eh, it's only February. It's good, but, you know, it's this February. You know, at the end of the day, we just want to continue to play the way we've been playing. You know, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, no disrespect to a lot of you, but a lot of y'all were in here, you know, when we were, when we were down down and out. So, you know what I mean? That's always a good sign when the locker room's packed. <laughs> um, so I think the biggest thing is just playing as a group, man, just staying here and com- com- being cohesive as a group. You know, I think it's it's going to be talked about. We're going to, you know, two-seed this and that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it matters where we are come April time and how we and how we finish, you know what I mean? So this is great. We're playing great basketball. But my, my biggest thing and our biggest thing is how do we keep going? How do we get better? How do we improve continuously every day? Tough talking Donovan Mitchell. The locker room was crowded last Whoa. night, Ken. Were you there? I was. You never told me. You didn't ask. You gotta tell me these things. I'm I'm at probably 60, 70% of their home games. Well, I knew you went to a lot. I just for whatever yeah. reason I didn't put two and two together. I figured, you know, if if I'm gonna do the show today, I have to go and make sure I'm as informed as possible for so it. So it was a packed house? It was a very crowded now, locker room. Now for you guys who go to the Cavs a lot. Do you see like new, and you're like, what is he doing here? Oh boy, here it, comes it, trouble. It always tends to pick up when the Browns end. So really, the last couple of games yeah. have been more crowded. <laughs> and to peel back the curtain a little bit, there are different tiers of credentials. Like not yeah. everybody that is credentials is allowed in the locker room. Mm-hmm. But when the Cavs are about to leave on a trip and they want to hurry things up. They'll allow more people in the locker room, and last night was that as they're about to go on the road for a three-game trip. Yeah. So it was a little more crowded, partially because there were more people there, partially because the Cavs allowed some more people in the locker room. It's true. A couple of guys came into the game. They were questionable with injuries. Jared Allen with an ankle injury. He had 19 last night. Darius Garland with left knee soreness. He had 11 last night. Some people saying he's a plug. He was plus four and plus minus. Darius Garland, yes or no? Can they share the responsibilities together in that backcourt long-term, Danny, or are we looking at disaster? They can share it together. Dar- it's going to take a little bit of time, and Darius was on the injury report questionable with a knee injury going into yesterday. It's not fair to expect him, just the same way with Evan Mobley, it's not fair to expect those guys to return from missing six weeks and instantly be awesome. We've seen flashes with both of them, but it's not fair to say, okay, well, you need to be an all-star right now. You don't need to be right now. You do by the time the playoffs arrive. Yeah. But right now, have a little bit of patience and grace with these guys, especially while they're winning. It's not as if they're costing the Cavs games. They're still winning basketball games. Yesterday was Monday, and it's the beginning of Super Bowl week. Roger Goodell has gone from having his press conference on Friday before the Super Bowl to Wednesday before the Super Bowl to now Monday before the Super Bowl at the beginning of the week in an invite-only press conference. Taking a... Taking a page out of um, Dictator's books there. Had himself a press conference, and he was asked about 
games being played in Brazil. Survey said. We are just incredibly enthusiastic about our growth on a global basis. Um, we are convinced we can be a global sport in the near future. Uh, our ownership has committed to uh, allow more games to be played on an annual basis, on a global basis. Uh, we are excited about the fans' reaction, our media partners. Uh, I think this is uh, a great opportunity for the league, and we are committed to making it a global sport. You mentioned Brazil. Brazil um, is new for us this year. Uh, we are incredibly excited. We're going to do it on our kickoff weekend, which is an unusual um, approach and different than we've ever done. We actually are going to play it on Friday night of our kickoff weekend. Uh, so we'll have Thursday night as our kickoff game. Friday night, we'll come back from Brazil in Sao Paulo. The Philadelphia Eagles will be the host team in Sao Paulo. Um, and then we'll come back with Sunday night and Monday night and obviously a great, uh, a great group of games on Sunday afternoon with our two partners. So um, we think this is giving us an ability to access more fans, not just here in the States, but on a global basis. And I think it's going to be a huge hit. We're excited. We got, uh, got really the meat and potatoes right there, didn't we? Lordy. Um, now the Eagles are the host team in this game. The Browns do play at the Eagles this year. Right. But we don't know exactly where that could be. The Browns could be playing in this game in Brazil. It's been a while since the Browns have played internationally. They played in England against the Minnesota Vikings years ago. Almost won that game. But, you know, Hugh Jackson was the coach, so they ended up losing it in the end. That's how it goes. Um, however, I don't usually call for this. But uh, looks like I'm going to have to put on my tight sport coat and Fatlock's about to walk into the courtroom. And there's a reason. Because in the CBS article that I read this morning... Because they say it's kickoff weekend. The game is going to be on a Friday night on kickoff weekend. It marks the first game played on a Friday night of week one in more than 50 years. The last game played on a Friday night during opening week was Cardinals at Rams on September 18th, 1970. Do you know why? Because there is an FCC blackout rule that not a lot of people know because Friday night is a big night, especially in the state of Ohio in the fall, for a very particular reason. There is an FCC blackout rule that states that no NFL home game can be televised at the same time of a high school football game within 100 miles of that NFL stadium. Well, wow. you're not going to have to worry about that in Sao Paulo, Brazil, now are you? So it's a workaround for Big Raj where they are above the law. They play the game internationally. They can play it a Friday night, and there ain't boo we can say about it. That's an incredible yeah. way around the rules. Only radio dummies like me know that type of stuff, buddy boy. I didn't know Man. that. I did not know that specifically. Yep. So. Because it was always like, well, the Big Ten's going to play college football on Friday night. What? When is the NFL going to play on Friday night? I go, nope, you can't. Can you, you can't now be within 100 miles that? of an NFL game okay. or a high school football game. So does this change things when a high school team plays on a Saturday or occasionally you'll nope, see? Nope, just Fridays. Okay. Just okay. Fridays. Seems to be that way. There you go. I did not know that rule existed. Yep. An existing rule. So there you go. Do you have another question over there, Owen? Well, I just needed you to say all that, but in a shorter way for us dummies who didn't pay attention after the first yep. sentence. But you so, did at the uh, very end. Avon Lake has a game going. Shorman playing uh, Bay or something like that. It was Shorman. No, Shorman playing Midview or something like that on a Friday night. Browns yeah, can't play at the same time. September. Yeah. yeah, can't be doing that. I like that new Midview coach. He's a young guy. His last name Armstrong. He's like 27, yeah. 28 years old. 
seems to be a good dude. So there you go. Moving on. Uh, Bill O'Brien looks to be close to the Boston College job. Now, this is this is different because some people are saying it's maybe a little bit of a, well, you guys said that everybody would be leaving the, the college ranks to go to the NFL. However, I think we have to look at it in two ways when it comes to Bill O'Brien. Now, it hasn't been announced yet that he is officially taking the job, at least from what I see. It looks like they're very close, according to the Boston Herald. These are a little bit of extenuating circumstances because people have looked at Jeff Halfley and they go, here is an active head coach in college football at an ACC program going to the NFL because he wants to coach football. And and Jeff Halfley, well, excuse me, sources close to Jeff Halfley uh, said that that was the reason where it's like, hey, you're doing more fundraising than you are coaching anymore. Like, this is tough. Some people started to use that as a fireback on the entire situation because of Bill O'Brien. However, when you do some digging, and the Boston Herald was great with this, and a couple of people from CBS were great with it, Bill O'Brien is a Boston native, and his son, who's dealing with a rare brain condition, receives his treatment in one of the hospitals in Boston. So it would all make sense for him to go there. I'm sure he wouldn't be starving if he went there. I don't know how great they would do. I know that he is a good football coach at Penn State, so I know that he's okay from coaching behind the eight ball when it comes to something like that. But all of a sudden, that kind of creates a hole for Ohio State because it seemed to be, and Lima brought this up, Danny, that Bill O'Brien was going to do the coaching during the week yeah. while Ryan Day was busy with all the fundraising and stuff that you have to do now as a head coach in college football. Well, and I'm not sure you can be successful at the level Ohio State wants to be successful and have your head coach be a play caller. I think it's so different. And I know we talked about this yesterday, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again today with play calling in the NFL with Kevin Stefanski. Yes. But in college, I don't think you can do it because the head coach has to more so be the head coach of recruiting than the head coach of the actual football team. The last head coach in college to win a national title while calling plays was Jimbo Fisher at Florida State back really? in 2013. It's been that long. Huh. I'm not it, sure it, he was even really calling the plays. It, it How does, much was it's just Jameis running around doing things? That might be quite a bit of it. He was Come really on, good at Florida State. Credit. What, just because he flamed out and he's getting paid $70 million, we've well, got to take shots at him? It's not even that. I've just watched enough Jameis ball now to know that that dude does whatever he wants to do. It doesn't matter what you tell him the play is. Worked out at Florida State. Sure did. There you go. But I don't think you can call plays and be successful at the level Ryan Day needs to be successful. I think that, and I wasn't the biggest Bill O'Brien guy. I think it was an upgrade because it frees up Ryan Day to do the other stuff that he has to do to manage that program. And I I do think that maybe Bill O'Brien would have been more aggressive in spots that Ohio State needed it. But I'm curious if they're going to replace him or if they're going to let Brian Hartline call plays, or if it's just going to go back to what it was. And if it goes back to what it was, I don't think it's going to be a good thing. That is it for about last night. Justin Termini, SiriusXM NBA Radio, will talk about whether or not he believes the number 2 seeded Cavs are actually contenders here in the East. That coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. Coming up next, everyone's freaking out over what Ken Dorsey almost said yesterday. Ken Carmen, Doug, Doug, Danny Cunningham. Who's Doug? I know I made a noise and it sounded like Doug is going Danny Cunningham. Oh boy. In for tone live on the fan. All right, I'm gonna get to the Browns here in a second. A lot of people are all worked up about Ken Dorsey. But he, he technically said it and then he corrected himself. And I go, gosh, you guys hit me. But first, I got to tell you about It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. The offseason moves have just begun in Berea, and the NFL awards are just around the bend. Trust the dangerous Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin every step throughout the offseason. 
during their podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. Subscribe now at 923thefan.com on the absolutely positively free Odyssey app. An Odyssey station. Big question to start the show this morning. People were asking, Kenny, are you guys going to flip the switch? Well, Danny is in for Tone today. Tone is not here. I can't flip the switch if Tone's not here. Now, I have, I have reached out to Tone. Which I just, it's got to be a bizarre text message. His wife might be in the middle of, uh, might be in the middle. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Little of labor as, as far as I know. <laughs> I, I texted. I wrote, call in and flip the switch this morning. What a text to send. Because it has to be. Not are you a proud papa. No, yet. no. Ha, have you talked to him yesterday or today, or is this the first time you've. I wanted to call him yesterday afternoon, and I decided not to bother him. Okay. I know. So this is the first contact you've made with him? No, we were on a group text actually yesterday okay. about a okay. uh, unrelated matter to childbirth. I don't remember what it was, but it was me, him, and a couple other people Okay. Uh, in it. Uh, Marble Mouth was there, and then. Um, yeah, I, 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 it was it was something completely different. I remember it was I forget what the hell it was. Either way, yeah, I didn't ask him about the baby. I well, I did ask about the baby yet, and he said she's just being induced. I go, what the hell are we were waiting on? So we'll find out here. But either way, uh, I have reached out to Tone to try to flip the switch. Stephen Lakewood, because the Cavaliers won again last night. They won fourteen of the last fifteen. They're in the second seat. Hello, Steve. Hello, guys. Hi. Hey, question now. Big Browns fan. Love all it. And yep. I am a novice Cavs fan at best. Okay. So I keep hearing about this switch. Can you please explain to me what exactly the switch flipping does? You and know what? That's a, gr- that's a great point. And, and, great and if, question. If the switch is supposed to turn something on, wouldn't it make sense, one, just ridiculous to wait to the playoffs, but two, isn't it a little early? Shouldn't it be like at least after the All-Star game? Well, that's what Danny Boy here is saying, is that it's er- it's early to be flipping the switch. Steve, I-, I thank you very much for the call and the question. The the the, fl- the flipping of the switch was born uh, with the Cavaliers with LeBron because LeBron would say it- it's time we flip the switch and it just took its own life. So there you go. It took life of its own, I should say. So <laughs> LeBron would say it, and then eventually we would flip the switch. Over again, and there would be times about that, and then eventually it just took on its own life. So there you go. 
I said took on, not again. So <laughs> ever since then, it's been kind of a, a flip switching sort of deal. The switch was off. Yeah, and he was down. So they and I did. I wondered. I go if they beat a Western Conference team, can we do it? If they beat a Sacramento Western Conference team, which isn't your traditional, even though they were good last year, they're pretty good team, this though. year. Yeah, but it's not a trip. I don't think people think success when they think of the Kings right now. Still, I think people in Cleveland, Ohio, I think they still think loser Kings when they think of the Kings. Didn't you say yesterday you can't flip the switch after a team after a win against a Western I said Conference it's team? Questionable. Okay, but it, I, again, it, it all depends on it, things change how you look. Like I, 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 we're watching the replay right now. I just saw Isaac Okoro play well. I want to bring up Isaac Okoro later on because I, I, I've changed my mind on trading him. Trading him. I, I've changed my mind on trading a lot. I've. I thought Isaac Okoro might be my guy. I'm not really interested in trading him right now. Uh, you know, we've had this conversation about Evan Mobley not trading him, but what he's going to do as far as the three-point line, I'll bring it back. But there's a lot of things that I'm just liking. You know, a lot of people are very critical of Karis LeVert, who I'm watching up here right now. And I think that he has provided, there's been just so many things that have provided quality to this basketball team over the last couple of months. I don't know if I want to part with any of it. It's a really difficult conversation to have because if you wanted to add in the Cavs are in a place where they're kind of, they, they don't have a ton of assets in terms of draft capital yes. left to give. They have a bunch of second round picks they could trade, but what's that really worth? It, it just sort of depends on how things shake out across the league between now and the trade deadline on Thursday. Yeah. But there's not someone from the rotation that you would want to see walk out that door. Yeah. It, you could make a You could make the argument that there are guys on the bench. You'd like to see in the rotation still but you don't want to remove anyone from it. Sam Merrill deserves more minutes than he got last night, but whose minutes are you cutting? There's not a, there's not an easy answer there. I think it's very difficult. We'll get to more of the Cavs coming up in a bit. And again, Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA Radio. He'll join us coming up at 8 a.m. this morning. We'll talk about whether or not he thinks the Cavs are serious contenders, an outsider's perspective, and we'll see whether or not he believes that they're serious contenders in the Eastern Conference. Ken Dorsey spoke to everybody yesterday, and a lot of people, Media-wise, certainly, were freaked out over something Ken Dorsey technically said, but very quickly corrected himself on. So I, I was able to have a conversation with them, and it was great. You know, we're in the phase, obviously, in the offseason of just more getting to know each other and that type of thing. So it was great to talk to them. I look forward to having more conversations, just get to know them, know, get to know the guy, get to know the person, you know, and, and a lot of these guys, you know, in the, in the building. So, but it was it was really good to get them on the phone and just kind of, you know, initial conversations. And I, I can't wait to get to work for him with him because, uh, again, he's he's one of the premier quarterbacks in this league. And um, from everything I've, I've heard about, Adam, uh, a really quality human being. So I'm just excited about that opportunity. Almost said work for him. And he did. The internet got a little worked up over that. I mean, the truth's the truth. I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's working for him for crying out loud. But I do think I, I do think it was an honest slip of the tongue. But we also know how how important this is. Either he gets off the ground and he gets playing well or or we're in trouble. I can't wait to get to work for him with him. What do you got, Danny? Come on, lay it on me. It, that was a very interesting clip. That Was, was interesting, it interesting or was it concerning to you? Both. It, it was it, concerning. It, it's a little concerning that you would slip up like that. And I understand. Listen, there's slips of, of the tongue. It happens. You have them. I have them. Ken Dorsey has them. Yeah. But to do that in your first moment, it's, it's going to, especially when with this franchise, people often question who has power because of, how vague some job descriptions are. We don't know exactly who does what. 
the first thing yesterday that was talked about, and Kevin Stefanski didn't take questions, but he brought up the play calling aspect because he knows that's what everyone's going to ask about. But now when you say something, even as innocent as this, to where you slip up and say work for him instead of with him, people are going to hang on to that. People are going to think about that when, okay, well, is this happening because Ken Dorsey wants this to mm-hmm. happen? Because Kevin Stefanski wants this to happen? Or is, Desha- is Deshaun Watson the one running the show here? And I get that because of what they paid him, what they gave up for him. He is one of the most important guys, if not the most important guy in that organization. But I think that allows some people to take it a little bit further than it should go. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Who wields the power with the Cleveland Browns? And I think that answer... And why it lies in there is why some people, even after an 11-6 and six season, are feeling uneasy. 216-474 to below 92. That, and he cares about winning. That's why he wants to call plays. Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham, in for tone, Justin Termini. Whether or not the Cavs are real contenders, coming up at 8 on The Fan. Kevin Stefanski talking about Ken Dorsey. We'll get back to the Cavs coming up in just over 20 minutes because it takes a village to raise, raise an all-star. Cavaliers got their 14th win in the last 15 last night, but Ken Dorsey had his introductory press conference. I said to uh, McNeil on social media because he posted on Facebook and I, the people were making all, like, all the things of what Ken Dorsey looks like. I go, man, he looks like a guy who's standing behind someone buying lottery tickets and he just wants to pay for his milk and go home. I mean, Ken yeah, Dorsey I went, from, see that. He went from hot shot, Miami quarterback, the seventh floor crew to... I mean, he looked like he was just getting ready for tax season right there. Oh, Ken Dorsey was. I mean, that was amazing, that change. It's such a change from the guy who was the quarterback on one of the coolest football teams ever when you think back to that 2001 Miami Hurricanes team to this, what he looks like now. It's an unbelievable transformation. 216-474-0092. I asked you who has the power within the organization. Uh, I think you gave the right answer. So I don't know if this part of the conversation is going to be very long. I believe you believe it's going to be Deshaun Watson, correct? Yeah. I, I believe – well, why? let me know why you believe. Tell I, me why you believe. Danny Cunningham in for Tone. Go ahead. I believe that because he is the one that has everything guaranteed to him financially. And listen, there's still a lot of pressure on him to perform, but this year he's the one with the power because the organization, Ken, I think has done everything to make him be successful with this team. It's getting rid of Alex Van Pelt. It's changing the offense again from what they were prior to when Watson got here. We saw them try and change it in the middle of the season when it went from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson. We saw we saw it be different last year. They are doing every single thing they can. And to be fair, they should be doing this to get the most out of him. But every decision that they make inside those walls in Berea, I believe is to get the most out of Deshaun Watson. And when that is what is happening. That's the guy with the power. If Deshaun Watson says he wants something done a certain way, I believe the Browns are going to do it that certain way because they cannot afford for this to be a, a giant disaster. Well, it's it's also where it, whether it, you want to give him the power or not because there's a lot of people who just don't believe in giving a quarterback any of that power. And it, I, I don't know. I think it's been a long time since football is able to be done that way. I mean, it's a shared responsibility, but they have no other choice. With a fully guaranteed contract, you have to do what you can to make the most out of this this entire investment. This is why I can't say it makes me uncomfortable. I do become uncomfortable with this entire ordeal of who made the decision to to fire these coaches, to bring in Ken Dorsey, to last year to bring in Jim Schwartz, even though that worked out. 
I get nervous about that, but I also know that they, they have to act quickly. It can't just be judicious. It has to be quick because they have to make the most of this as soon as they possibly can because eventually it's going to affect them. So if, if, if people underneath, as much as I might want to say, hey, he lives 2,300 miles away and he makes me nervous because he's not here, you might have to say I have to take the responsibility of this thing and make these decisions if you truly believe that they're not going to make the decisions because they're all friends and you need to be about the business. So I have to see, as much as I don't want to be fair, I have to see how this thing's going to work out. There's a lot about Ken Dorsey that I question. Yeah. There's a lot here. I, I don't know if this is just going to be all hunky-dory and this is going to be fine. Because we, we still don't know whether or not they're going to call plays. I have no idea who, or excuse me, whether he's going to call plays. I have no idea who's actually going to do it. Whether it's going to be him, whether it's going to be Kevin Stefanski. Some people tried to think that, that Ken Dorsey was implying he was going to call plays by what he said right here. Play calling to me is, you know, not as important as winning winning football games. It's more about, all right, what's the decision that we feel most comfortable about moving forward to help our team win? I believe he wants to call plays. I, I don't believe there's any chance that he doesn't want to call plays. I think he wants to, but I thought that answer told me he's probably not going to. Really? Yeah. See, a I, lot I, of people took it the other way. I think he wants to, but I think by saying that it, in, he said winning is the most important thing to him, that told me he is willing to take a back seat here. It's not that he wants to. If you're an offensive coordinator in the NFL, you want to call plays. If you're a position coach in the NFL, at some point, you want to call plays. That's the natural progression of your career. And for Ken Dorsey to go from a situation where, and I understand he was fired in the middle of the season, but in Buffalo where he was the play caller to an offensive coordinator role in Cleveland where he's not calling plays would unquestionably be a step back. So, of course, he's going to want to call plays, but I thought that answer to me was the way out of him. Uh, it was sort of taking the pressure off if he doesn't call plays, trying to get ahead of it, saying it's okay. Well, he also said that he'd be ready if called upon. Sure, and so, he should be. But I, I again, I, I technically I'd have to say that what, what you're saying I disagree with. But I think overall, I can't say I know that he's going to call plays. I think by judging by this press conference – Whatever you thought before, if you thought he was bringing in Ken Dorsey to not call plays, that he wasn't going to give it up, or that he was bringing in Ken Dorsey to take that over, then you believe. I still think you believe what you believed before that press conference yesterday. I I happen to believe that I think Ken I think Ken Dorsey will call plays. I happen to believe that Kevin Stefanski is probably going to make the decision. Or, and this is taken an ugly way, but I have to say it: the decision will be made for him. Well, do you to think, have Ken Dorsey call plays? Do you think it's already been made? Yes. Okay. I believe that they've already come to that decision. I don't believe that there's any chance that they'd say they'd work this thing all out over the next couple of months. Because I, I think you want something clear cut because Ken Dorsey, you could, I don't know what his, his situation is. I'm not trying to look in his pockets. More than likely, he either has A, other suitors, or B, he could possibly take a year off if he really, really wanted to. But I would still say that the A part, that there'd be other suitors are right there. So when Lima was in last week, he said that he didn't believe that Ken Dorsey was their number one pick. He, he said he believed that Kellen Moore was their number one choice. Well, Kellen Moore's already off the board. He's over there in Philadelphia. So what was said to Kellen Moore at that time? Ken Dorsey has been a guy who's been fired halfway through the year. We'll see how that one goes because Kellen Moore wasn't necessarily fired, but Kellen Moore comes with his own set of baggage because some people say he wants to throw too much and maybe he's more of a joystick offensive coordinator than a guy who's actually trying to, to get things going with a football team. So we'll see how that one goes out in Philadelphia. However, when you have Ken Dorsey here, there's a lot of baggage that comes with him in his own right. This Matt Bove guy, 
from the news center five or news center seven in, in Buffalo who is saying all these things that are not too kind about Ken Dorsey's time in Buffalo. He gets fired a year and a half in. The offense changes. It seems to change for the better. And there's a lot of things being said about Ken Dorsey now that were not being said when he was fired. So people flip and go with whatever's more more successful at that time. If it, if it breeds success from it, they're just going to go with it. I don't know how this is going to work out. I think that uneasiness is what makes people think if they're uneasy about it and they don't have the confidence in it and the only thing they can say is, it's my team and I want to be positive about it. I don't know if that breeds positivity for everybody. I think with the play calling thing, I would feel more confident that Ken Dorsey or if it were somebody else was calling plays if I thought the Browns got their first choice. Because I have to wonder if Kellen Moore's not here because calling plays wasn't on the table. Because in going to Philadelphia, and I understand that's an awesome roster, it's a winning situation, but they were talking about maybe firing Nick Sirianni as this season well, ended. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, and you're going to hate why, but continue. But they were talking about that. You don't often see it, and it's not impossible. It does happen occasionally, but you don't often see coaches go from almost being fired to sticking around for a long time after that. I think that the situation with Kevin Stefanski here is more stable coaching-wise than what it is in Philadelphia. So if everything's equal and you're calling plays in both places, wouldn't you want to go to the more stable situation? I disagree that it's a more stable situation. I know that Nick Sirianni nearly got fired, according to a lot of people here, but if you were going to be an offensive coordinator on somebody's staff, let's be serious. Who would you rather coach right now? Would you rather coach Jalen Hurts or would you rather coach Deshaun Watson? Hurts is the answer. I agree there. But the stability, I do think, is in Cleveland because I, I think that Kevin Stefanski well, is going to be around longer than next year. Philadelphia is a nutty situation, but if they go back to the playoffs in Philadelphia again, depending on how they look doing it, but if Kellen Moore, if they look good on offense again and, and Jalen Hurts looks good and that offense looks like it's quote-unquote fixed, then they're not going to have any problem here. Where if you don't believe necessarily in the quarterback fully, then you're going to make your decision based on the QBs that you're coaching because you know that's where it starts and finishes. And you can't make an argument for Deshaun Watson over Jalen Hurts. So while you might say that there was play calling involved, maybe there was. Could be. Maybe you're right. It's not a terrible thing to think about. But I think if, if, if you're making that decision, it's going to be on, well, what quarterback do you have? And so that might have had to make the Browns go ahead and make that decision to go, all right, if this is the second best guy, and I don't know if they felt this way, if this is the second best guy, then we need to snap him up right now or we're going to be caught in arrears here. And maybe they did. The other thing I'll add to that about the quarterback situation, and I agree with you that if I'm an offensive coordinator, I would rather coach Jalen Hurts than Deshaun Watson because of what we've seen recently from both those guys. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't make me feel good that offensive coordinators around the league that maybe were higher up on the Browns' wish list don't feel as if they could be the guy that could fix Deshaun Watson. Well, that would make me feel worse about Deshaun Watson, right? It, but it doesn't make me feel good about the entire situation. Not just the offensive coordinator. It would make me feel worse about Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, but the, the, see, this is where it just stops because there's nothing else I can do. Sure. I, I, I have the guy, and there's no way out of the contract. So now I'm just telling people bad news that I don't want to tell them. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Ken Dorsey or Kellen Moore or the Lord and Savior. I, if nobody can fix the guy, <laughs> then nobody can fix the guy. So I think Ken Dorsey's coming in going, all right, I have worked with Ken, with Cam Newton before. Cam Newton was a great quarterback for a period of time with the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, the injury stacked up and, and things went against him, sad to say. Josh Allen, my offense, if I'm Ken Dorsey, my offense was able to do X, Y, and Z. Now, there are people, and even though that they don't want to admit that up there, that used him, said that he was used as a scapegoat with Sean McDermott. 
Now the season ended in a different way than what they thought they were going to do it, so some of these people are running away from these opinions, but those were the opinions that those people had. Frankly, I think the uncertainty is something that's going to drive people crazy over this time because if I knew right now who's going to call plays, I could say whether or not I think that this thing is going to work, but if I don't know who I think is going to call plays, if they can't tell me who they think is going to call plays, which I do think it's going to end up being Ken Dorsey, if they can't tell you for sure, then I have to hem and haw over the next how many months over what happens. But I flat out refuse to accept Kevin Stefanski's statement where he says, we'll get it figured out. It's February 5th. You have it figured out. You don't go into any of these things not knowing. He's not going to move his family here and and move him across the country here. You're not going to bring him in. You're not going to accept all this. He's not going to accept it on his end if you don't know what the clear-cut goals are. They know what's going to happen. And the clear-cut duties are. They know what's going to happen. And I don't think anyone should have expected to hear from the Browns what they were going to do. Kevin Stefanski getting up there and saying, yeah, he's going to call plays would have been the most shocking thing I heard all day yesterday because that's not who this organization is, Ken. They want to keep everyone in the dark as long as they can. It's not quite what Bill Belichick did in New England. But they don't want to tell you who's going to be calling plays until they yeah, really have Yeah, but I want clarity to. because I want to be able to give credit or I want to be able to heap blame. You'll That's get what there. I want. You'll get there, but we'll, you're not going to get there I don't know, until August. I, I mean, you talked about the – you, you've brought the Patriots now twice that. in two days. They won't do that. And That's I, the extreme example. And I'm They're not, not going to do that. I can't fight you on it because they technically did do that, and the, the example and it that disaster. is there was a disaster. Yeah. Exactly. They're not going to do that. We will know before the season. I'd be stunned if we didn't. But they don't have to tell you on February 5th or, yeah, February 5th yesterday. They don't have to tell you now. I mean, they don't have to tell me at any time they want to. But the they clarity will. would make things a lot better for me to understand. Because then I can't, it, even if I didn't like Ken Dorsey and I didn't like the hire, which, again, I don't know how this is going to work out. So I can't say I hate it. There were so many people that I trusted that said he was a scapegoat there. So if he's a scapegoat, I'm going to be open-minded about it. So I'm going to see whether or not it works. But if he's the one that's calling plays, then I can, as a fan, I could say, all right, this didn't work in, in Buffalo, but this is where it worked here. This is where it could work with, with Deshaun Watson. This is what's going to get him going in the right direction. Or if Kevin Stefanski is going to call plays, this is what we could possibly do here as the time goes on. I still think it's better earlier than later to tell your fan base who's going to be the one in charge on Sunday. It's always going to be whether or not they gain yards or they didn't gain yards, Danny, and that's how they're going to go at it, and you know that and I know that. Yeah. But at least some clarity would go a long way with everybody involved. 216-474-0092. We got the great Justin Termini at 8 o'clock. Do Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell work together? Do they do it long-term? Because the trade deadline is coming up on Thursday. Coming up next, it takes a village to raise an all-star. It's harder when everybody has a different idea, though, on how to raise them. Ken Carmen, we got Danny Cunningham in for tone on the fan. What should we be focusing on with Evan Mobley coming up in a moment? Also, folks, guarantee the best 92.3 the fan has to offer when you follow each team on the free Odyssey app and get all the audio we have to offer pushed right to your phone. Plus, check out all the chapters of our live shows labeled by our producers so you can search for the segments you might have missed. Make sure you've downloaded the free Odyssey app to follow the Cleveland sports scene. Mitch is in the other room. Before we get to Evan Mobley here. I asked Mitch for an update. I go, hey, you, you, you got another date plan or anything? And Mitch, you said no, right? That is correct. Are you, you taking some time off from the latest heartbreak? or Not not really. I'm still trying. It's just uh, just not going the way I want it to right now. So Meredith overheard this. 
and asked him a couple of questions because Meredith, you know, Meredith has some experience. Mitch is a young, supple young man <laughs> from uh, Straws Vegas down in Tuscarawas County. Where they, Meredith, they do things different. You're from the big city. You're from D.C. That's You're here true. in Cleveland. Have you ever been to Strasburg? I don't even know where that is. <laughs> yeah, it's... You want to find out? No, I don't. Mitch, we're how talking, far away is it? We're talking like 60, 60 70 miles south of here. Try oh, my a, God. So, yeah. you, so you were commuting? Yep. He was. Like 70 miles yeah. here? Now he lives Five here. years, yep. yep. Oh, my God. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you can try in a small town. Try dating if you're Mitch Spinell in a small is town. Is that what that song's about? <laughs> I think so. Oh, Maybe. Okay. Pretty positive. So, <laughs> Meredith asked Mitch, I don't know how this is. So what, what dating app are you on, Mitch? Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, the two, well, the two uh, that I mentioned, and you know, obviously not a sponsor, but Hinge and Tinder. Those are the two. <laughs> not a sponsor. Obviously, but unpaid testimonial. Hashtag not an ad. So Meredith asks, "Well, how big's your radius?" I didn't know there's a radius on there. Yeah, so they give you an option to like expand, like how many people you can like match with in an area. And I had mine set on both of them, I believe. At 20 miles, both in Strasbourg and where I'm living now. Well, knowing, was I know, and I was shocked, but knowing that you commuted 70 miles <laughs> to work, that's really part time, so it's not like every day. He's a road warrior, Meredith. Uh, apparently, like, he's, he's, a lot of miles on that car. Yeah, he's won't do anything for work. Just, 20 we'll miles me- feels really, really oh, far no. to go for like a first date. So, so to go meet somebody you don't know, a stranger off the internet, you're going to drive 20 miles. Oh, no, you're going to meet him halfway, 10, 10 miles. Still feels kind of. Funny. I usually I usually went to their location. I didn't really want them like to go out of their way to see me. Such twenty a miles is a bit. Yeah, he's a gentleman. 
So what's what's if I can ask? You're on the apps, right? Yeah, I well I am. I'm not active currently, but I just I haven't deleted them from my phone yet. I just are you seeing somebody? No, I'm not. Oh, I was about to no. say. I was like, just taking a break in hey, here. Let's yeah. talk to him. Hey, taking a break. Taking okay. a break. Yeah. So for what, a little what, bit. What was your what was your radius? Like six miles. Six miles. Yeah. Mm. If it wasn't like within. 10 to 15 minutes of where I live or downtown Cleveland. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I have any interest. It's, I'm, wow. la- I'm lazy, man. I don't want to drive very far. I don't want to be driving down to Akron for a first date. You kidding me? Well, they would meet you halfway, Meredith. That's what's, what what's Mitch halfway? is saying. What's halfway between uh, here and Akron? That, exactly. That's where it gets uh, tricky. Richfield? At, no. No. Nice. No. That's, Brexville? That's Brexville. Yeah. Brexville yeah. Independence. Because she's coming in okay. from the west side, so it would be, it would be one oh, of them. Things. That giant eagle right there off the. What's the furthest you've? What's I mean, you're 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 engaged to be married now, Danny. What's the furthest you've gone? So Brittany and I actually started seeing each other when I still lived in Minneapolis. Oh, it was wow. our first Ow. date. I was in town here. I had some family stuff going on here. I was in town. That's when we went on our first date. I lost the pandemic came shortly thereafter. I lost my job then, mm. so I moved home. But she lived in the Youngstown area, and I lived in the Cleveland area. So that is what, sixty miles. It's like Mitch's commute, but that that feel, it's it's a little bit of a different situation because it's in not because it's an hour fifteen. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you guys weren't like matching on dating apps. I set you guys right. up. Yeah, wow. we didn't we yeah. didn't we didn't match on Bumble or Tinder or anything like that. So it's it's a little different. Like we didn't have a radius that we had to set. That's still that's okay. That's different. That's a setup. Yeah. What's the fur- well? What's the furthest the guys come to you, Meredith? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I actually I was seeing a guy really, really briefly late last year. I think Ooh. he I think he did come up from Akron, but he always came up to Cleveland. I never went down there. Okay. Owen? Well, when, you've been in the Pacific Rim. I went to Thailand yeah. once. <laughs> <laughs> Patio City, man. Strange. What was that like? I'll tell you off air, Dan. He's is it not safe for air? Is that what you're saying? My yes. whole, my whole twenties is not safe for air, Meredith. Meredith, you have no idea. Like he's 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 got like I know. No. I've only ever known married Owen. That's the only iteration well, of Owen I've ever known. The thing about Owen is that Mer- Owen's been married about four or five times, <laughs> and only twice in, in this country. Once, Meredith. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you as gotta... long as I've known Owen, he has always had a wife. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I went to Toledo once. That's your. That furthest? was as far as it was. If I was willing to go. Where were you living at the time? I mean, if they were in Wasion, I would have went to her in Wasion. But no, I was in Akron. I was in school at the time. Okay. Yeah, it was in Toledo. Um, that was you know it was whatever. I mean, Got a little hot maction, huh? <laughs> oh man. I... <laughs> so like, Jeremy, guys, go get all hot and bothered. Don't even start. <laughs> go ahead. What were you gonna say, it, Danny? Does it count if so? When I was in college, I went to Lake Erie College in Painesville. I dated a girl that went to Xavier. So does okay. that count? Uh, Even though where's she, she from? originally from? We here? went to high school together. Nah, it doesn't count. That doesn't count. No, that doesn't count. Long distance. It starts in high school. That's yeah. different. If you if you have seen each other outside of that, then it would gotcha. count. It doesn't okay. count. Uh, yeah, I think we're talking about people that you've literally never met in real life. At least for me, yeah. driving long, long distances uh, to meet a stranger from the internet. I don't know how you guys do that stuff. That's why you got to pry loose from my cold, dead hands. I can't do any of that stuff. I know. My you're lucky. You, don't, you are so lucky you don't have to deal with the dating apps, kid. Oh, God. All it's, right. It is the wild, wild west. 
Meredith, I have some audio I want you to play for us at the end of the show, okay? Got it. Oh, that, it's in the system. Yeah, I pulled gonna, it. Yeah, we're going to get in on Mitch, please, because I, I have a story to tell you about Derek Carr, of all people. 216-474-0092. What should Evan Mobley be focusing on? It, he's, I, I want him to be an all-star, and I use the term, it takes a village to raise an all-star. It seems with Evan Mobley right now, we all have different ideas of what he should be doing. You're talking about crashing the glass. You're talking about being aggressive off the ball. Jason Lloyd has said he needs to shoot more threes. You agree with him trying to shoot more threes. I don't. I disagree with both of you. We'll have Jason in tomorrow. I'll disagree with him then on it. I disagree with you on it right now. What should what should Evan be focusing on with a team that's in the two seed right now and is definitely destined for hopefully well, obviously they're destined for the playoffs, but hopefully a playoff run. Being aggressive should be his focus. It shouldn't be one thing in terms of, oh, he needs to get four threes up a game or he needs to have five or six drives to the basket a game. I just think everything he needs to do offensively, Ken, is being aggressive. He needs to, and the thing he does great defensively that I would like to see transition to the offensive side of the floor is he puts pressure on guys. Offensively throughout his career, I think he's been too passive at times. If he turns up the aggressiveness where you saw a couple times Saturday night against San Antonio, you saw it last night against the Kings, where he's putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket, it doesn't have to always be that. Sometimes it can be he's taking open threes and not hesitating in doing so, but I think he needs to be more more aggressive and more decisive than anything else. I think that those when you start to see that from Evan Mobley, that's when you'll start to see him really blossom as an offense player. Here's J.B. Bickerstaff on it last night after the game on Evan Mobley being aggressive. I think he's got the right mindset. I mean, look at, you know, what he's doing. It's it's a, you know, a little bit of everything. To come up with, you know, almost a triple-double in limited minutes just speaks about the impact that he can have on a game. And, I you know, I love his aggressiveness, how he was attacking the basket to start. Uh, he had a, bu- a couple of bunnies that I'm sure he would like to have back. Um, but I thought he was aggressive. His mindset was right. Um, and when he's aggressive, defensive make tough choices, and he makes the right one 95% of the time. Uh, I See, I want him to be aggressive, obviously. That's what everybody's saying. I just don't want him around the arc. I, you, we could put him around the arc. I mean, if you want to take one a game or maybe even two, that's fine. I think right now we're perfectly fine with it. I don't think I need him to be stretching out things around the arc because I, I just don't think he's going to find a shot out there right now. So I think you need him around the arc, not only because you do need that spacing where you need him to take threes. Not I, I'm with you that he doesn't need to take a ton of threes. I don't want him shooting five or six a game, but I think three or four is probably that sweet spot. But you need him out there because I think he's more comfortable being aggressive from that situation than being a guy that has his back to the basket. I think he's more comfortable being aggressive when he can get downhill. That's why the best flashes of him have been either when he's been in the pick and roll and and receiving a pass in great position or in the open floor when he can be aggressive. He's got the whole floor. He can make the decision going downhill. That's when you see Evan at his best offensively. So I do think he needs to be out there. He has to shoot the three because... That allows him to be aggressive going to the basket, which I think ultimately is where he's going to be best at offensive. Can he still be the unicorn? I think that Sit phrase, on that for a second. I, I think one, that phrase is overblown. 216-474-0092. What should Evan be focusing on right now? Because I think we are as aggressive as he played last night. We are in year three. I think we're at a bit of a crossroads right now after this injury and him coming back from this injury. What Evan Mobley is going to be? Let me get to Ken in Brooklyn first. Ken, you're next up on the fan. Hello. How you doing, Ken? Ken, we're doing okay, buddy. Good to hear from you. Listen, this, before I get to the Cavs to the kids, you know, the best place to meet somebody years ago used to be a wedding. 
But everybody has to come to a wedding with somebody, even if they're not dating, because they can't come alone. But when you go, if you want to meet somebody, either go to a bank, either actually go into the bank, not use your ATM. Who goes into a bank anymore, Ken? Years ago, Ken, there was women that I would have liked to da- oh, date. Oh, this is years a, ago. A but listen. What I would you say my- to a woman at the bank when you were pitching woo? <laughs> what would you say, Freeze. Ken? Wait, wait a minute. But the best place to meet somebody is if you're looking for somebody and you're looking to meet somebody, is go to the grocery store. Don't use Instacart. And go up and down the what? aisles. And when you see somebody you might be interested in, see if they see what they have in the cart, and you'll find out whether they're married or they're single. Are we? By what they're buying. Are we losing opportunities to meet naturally now, Ken? Is Absolutely. what you're telling me. Now listen, Ken. Let's get to the most important thing, okay? Oh, All right. Basketball the team we're talking about. Hoops, not the mayor. Evan, uh, Evan Mobley is get doing fine. He's just coming back. If like you said the other night at uh, San Antonio, he was awesome. And this team doesn't need to do one thing. All the teams in the Eastern Conference don't have what the Cavs have. They got two bigs, and they got a, the best bench in the Eastern Conference. The Boston Celtics have no front line. They got Porzingis. That's it. All those other guys are horrible. The Cavs, you can look at every team. The Milwaukee Bucks are old and slow. The Knicks are beat up. They're going to start doubling Jay, uh, uh, Brunson, and he's going to fold. And everybody else is wishing they had what he had. We have Philly is done. They'll be they'll win thirteen more games the rest of the season. Okay, first off, Ken, 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 Philly. I I I happen to agree with Yon because I don't know when Joel Embiid's going to be, and and it's probably yeah, robbed him of another MVP season. Without Embiid, they're going to win thirteen games. The rest uh, uh, of the season. That part I don't agree disagree with Yon. When it comes to Milwaukee, though, I can't just throw out the thing they're old and slow, and that's it. I think that they very well could be biding their time for the postseason. I think the Celtics could be biding their time for the postseason. And the Knicks, there is still that feeling with the Knicks of what happened last year. So I'm not saying that, well, I I, I, I hate the Cavs' chances in that. I have to remain respectful of it, Ken. I understand that, Ken. I'm just saying, you know, right now, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. You don't do anything. The Cavs don't need anything right at all. They've taken a long time to No trades either. Nothing. Do not do anything. I'm great with everything that they're doing. We've got a bench. You know what Max Drew said yesterday after the game? Pick your poison because they got guys that can put the ball in the basket and defend. No other team in the Eastern Conference has that. Nobody. Okay, Ken. Thank you very much for the call. 216-474-0092. I agree with him on Milwaukee. I do think the Bucks are old and slow. Giannis is still great. Chris Middleton doesn't look like an NBA player anymore. Uh, Brooke Lopez is not the same, man. I thought Chris Middleton was just kind of throwing it up there through most of the season so far. I'd be a little bit worried about Chris Middleton, I'll admit. But I I just still can't just count out the Bucs in that case. Defensively, they're so bad on the perimeter now because Middleton is not what he was because Mm -hmm. of some, some serious knee injuries. And Damian Lillard's one of the worst perimeter defenders in basketball. They were so good because Drew Holiday stopped so many things at the point of attack and fewer things got to Brooke Lopez and Giannis near the basket. Yeah. So much more is getting there now. That's why the Bucks' defense stinks. Doc Rivers is not going to fix them. They'll be a better regular season team still. They're going to win a lot of basketball games. They're not going to win the finals. 9 o'clock, Zach Jackson going to join us from The Athletic. Who does he believe is going to call plays, and who wields the most power within this Browns organization? Is it the general manager? Is it the head coach? Is it the chief strategy officer? That coming up at 9. Coming up next, more you guys, whether or not we believe that Evan Mobley should be focusing on shooting the three or whether or not he should be focusing more on just being aggressive. And I have a fear I'm overcompensating for time and I'm going to end up like Marv Marinovich.
FML coming up. Ken Carmen and Danny Cunningham in for Anthony Lima as we are on Baby Watch live on the fan. FML, my life. My life. FML. Danny, what do we do? Fixing lives. My life. All right, FML, we're still waiting on Tone's baby. So I have to ask Danny. It's, Danny, I didn't know you coached high school football. Yeah. Yeah. You coached at Trinity? Yeah, last year was my first year. I had a bunch of free time in the fall as I was looking for work. So decide, and my best friend since I was in first grade is the offensive coordinator. His dad's the head coach who I've known really my entire life. So I just kind of went and helped out and really enjoyed it. What did you learn about coaching? I learned that the way not every kid relates the same. Mm -hmm. I I learned that a lot of kids have to be coached differently. Yeah. Um, That was an eye-opening experience. And, you know, kids in high school now are much different than kids were in high school when I was there. The times have changed quite a bit. That's what really opened my eyes. So what sports did you play in high school? I played football and baseball in high school. I played football in college. Okay, you played. I thought you played football in college. I wasn't sure because, you you know, you watch basketball like crazy. I thought you would be like, I thought you might have played basketball in college. I wasn't sure. Anyway, um, I want to know from all you guys, especially uh, Owen, because Owen's got the little ones and you've coached the high school ones. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to make up for a little bit of lost time with my youngest, and I don't want to overcompensate. Because it's like, all right, Axel plays the sports. Axel's excited to play the sports. Eli has his own set of circumstances, so it's hard for him to play the sports. And when it comes to Jonah, he, I, I am so occupied with everything that I'm doing with Axel that Jonah's four, and it's like, well, is he going to sign up for, for T-ball? And I was like, I had no intention on signing him up for T-ball. And I'm still not gonna, but I'm going, oh, my God, I, I basically totally forgot. And so I'm afraid I'm overcompensating. I wanted to run it past you guys because Mitch, Mitch is just young and supple. He doesn't really know yet. Um, I'm trying to practice baseball with him every day because I'm like, all right, football is a, is a chosen participatory thing. I don't make any of them do it. But for baseball, it's like I'd like them all to try it, okay? And I've tried to work with him with baseball every day. I'd like to take some time out of the day to work with baseball. But I also made him go to sleep with his baseball bat, his T-ball bat. So the other day, and then last night, like the bat, because he's watching TV, he's watching his little YouTube stuff, and he's four, and the bat, you can hear it, boom, against the wall, because he's holding on to the bat, and he's playing around with the bat. And Liz was like, he's got a bat in there. I go, yeah, I gave it to him. She goes, why did you give him a bat? I go, I want him to to enjoy baseball, so I want him to hold the baseball bat. It's like, it's like, and I said this, it's like the program when he has to carry around the football the whole time. He's got to carry around the baseball bat. When football season comes around, I'll give him a football and see at that. I go, he is going to be my shadow for the next year. He's coming with me on everything because now I have to make up for lost time with him. And I go, oh, my God, I'm a little bit afraid when I woke up this morning that I'm going to end up like Marv Marinovich. So why did you give him the bat to sleep with instead of a baseball glove? I don't know. It just seemed to be apropos that I gave him the baseball bat to sleep with. He's not going to play yet. He's going to play next year. I'm going to sign him up next year for the T-ball. So but th- I got to get him going in the right direction. This is about getting him excited for the sport? Yes. Okay. So I plan on taking him to everything, everything that Axel does. Like, everything. Like, Saturday, we got basketball. He's coming with. He don't know yet. Jonah's coming. Whether he likes it or not. But now, oh, and, oh, and starting to stir. What do I got to do over there? You got six of them. I have a ton of kids, yep. We play, I Help think, me. the last count I had, we had 13 sports going on right now. Good God wow. almighty. We're actively in four right now. What do I, so what's, 
Am I going a little too strong to the paint? Uh, well, the, I think the one risk you run with the younger sibling, especially when you're taking them to the games, and, you know, he's what? He's four? He's four. They're and only some, an hour. It's tough to pay attention sometimes for those things, and if they aren't into it and you're being over, I don't know if overbearing's the word, but just, you know, like trying to get them to, you know, actually focus on what's happening, it sometimes turns them off from that. I, You know, I have one son right now that's just, he's doing something different than the other ones, and I it took me a little while to accept that, but he's, I went, he's playing basketball. I went to his game on Saturday. And that dude talks more trash on the court, but he's having fun with it. It's yeah. all his buddies. You know, it's the rec league, so he knows everybody in the league. And it it took me a while to not force my things on him. But having it adjacent to him, having the bat there. Yeah. And not, don't make him come to the dinner table with it, but, you know. Well, he doesn't need to lay it down on the table like a sword. Yeah. My, see, my thinking of it is, like, again, he doesn't. I'm a football guy. He doesn't need to play football. Right. Not everybody's meant to play the that, game. If that's you don't want been play the it, hardest. Yeah. That was it's actually harder for my kids to get over that I don't care if they play football or not. Yeah. Because I'm I was such a football guy as well. And once I think they find once one of them broke through the rest of them are like, "Okay. So I don't want to do it. I don't have to." And this is my thing about it. like he wants to hang out with his older brothers very okay. very much. That's And good. like the video game stuff like Axel plays Fortnite. Axel plays his ass off with the Fortnite when we allow him to. And Jonah, like, sees that yeah, and wants to do eight. it. Yeah. Yeah, so Jonah they see- all do it. Yeah, so he wants to see it and he wants to do it. And the same thing with, like, Minecraft and the Roblox and the God knows what. So when he he sees that, then I think if he's just around, because the one time I had to take him to football practice, because Eli's a madman and I, Liz had to take him to the hospital. And so I had to take Jonah to football practice, and he, like, seemed to be having a fun time just watching his brother play and I'm just thinking I don't I'm not going to point out I'm not going to talk about two three zones or anything like that because the kids are playing or eight and they're not playing two three zones or anything like that but my whole thought is if he's just around it and his brother's doing it he's gonna kind of want to pick it up I do agree with Danny on the glove thing over the bat because with the glove if he's wearing the glove and you just toss him something he can catch it with the glove yeah with the bat you can well, do the little point. hey I I'm hitting something at the house, and then he takes the bat, and next thing you know, that big 75-inch TV that you have hanging up is So I should go and switch an it. Easton. I should switch it to gloves instead of bat. I would no, do to that. To a glove instead of a bat. I, I would do that, yes. Also, okay. how old is Axel? He's eight. Can you have is Could you have Axel play catch with Jonah? He's trying, yes. I think oh, that, yeah, I think no, that would it. be something that would be a big help, oh, too, yeah. because if, if Jonah's at the point where he wants to be around his older brothers, he wants to do the things that they do— I think getting those two to bond over that would go a long way with Jonah. Not I just, that I have kids, but that's just my guess. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you're a coach, so I brought you into it. That's why. Well, I, and Danny brought up a great point. Every kid is different. And if you try to use the same methodology with each kid, ooh, you're going to – it's going to be what we call a swing and a miss. He's a nice a, boy. That's He's a much nicer boy. Like he's, I ain't going to lie. He's soft. Jonah's soft. Is that the worst thing you could call him? Oh, it, it could be. It's the worst thing you can call your own son, but I got to say what I got to say. He's soft right now. He's also he's, four. He spent, and he's he is much softer at four than what Axel Well, and Eli I've been were. saying for a few years, you need to look at trade options for him. I mean, who knows? He still he plays good defense, here. though. It's just like Isaac Okoro. I need that in the postseason, don't I? He still plays good defense, but no, he's, he spends a lot of time with mom. 
and at preschool there seems to be a lot yeah, of change. older We've children. We've had this conversation a lot. All yeah. I have one that is a – he will be a professional ass kicker one day. He's a pretty good ass kicker right now. I told you how soft he was. Yeah, you was did. Kid. You did. Because but he, like, he goes to preschool, and they're always like – they like dote on him in preschool, and I'm like, knock it off. I can't have him being soft. I cannot raise soft children. The – it is so rare. As a former rare. softy myself, I can't do it. Yes. It's so rare for the youngest of three boys to be soft. It's true. He's soft. But Danny. he's four. When, he's by the so time soft. he's 12, that's not going to be the case. When he's, he's 12 and Axel's 16, right? Four-year difference? Yes. And how old's Eli? He is uh, seven. So when he's got a brother that's 16, 15, and he's 12, yeah. he's not going to be soft anymore. Right now, he's four. Are you sure, Owen? Do you believe that? Yeah, I do think, you know, there's going to come a point at Streetsboro football when they go, hey, Axel, he's getting a couple plays in here. Look at him. And then somebody's going to lean over and go, you know, there's one down in the seventh grade right now that is a. Who's really soft. You don't even want him no. on the team. No. Oh, okay. No, he's a, the youngest one's always the best one, in my opinion. So should I have Axel and Eli beat him up? It's about time. Okay. I was just wondering. I wouldn't have them beat him up. You've done I would enough, just look the other way if it happens. You've done enough Dusty Rhodes impressions. It's time to build you one of those uh, cages. Okay. I think it's about that time. I've gotten three texts. Put them in wrestling. Oh, That's a way I'm, to get the soft out of the that is I've coming. I told you, you got a club yeah, out close that, to you that I would recommend highly. That is coming up on another fix of my life because there is a uh, – all you guys with cauliflower ears are going to be very upset by one – very particular member of my family and what they have to say about all that. That's coming up at another time. 216-474-0092. Coming up at 9 o'clock is Zach Jackson. Who wields the most power within the Browns organization? Does Kevin Stefanski have power over his own coaching staff? Coming up next, though, can Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell coexist long-term with the Cleveland Cavaliers? West Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Ken Carmen, and we got Danny Cunningham in for tone on the fan. Cavaliers are in the two-seat pretty good stuff are they real contenders in the eastern conference i need an outsider's perspective because i'm gonna as we turn the corner into the new year a lot of people are looking to get healthier that includes hero bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar all with no compromise on the taste texture and bready goodness you expect from your favorites now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil an antioxidant rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. 
Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Say yes. Danny, what would you say? Yes. All right, so I need a person who's truly from the outside, truly a mean-spirited, cutting individual. We welcome in Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA Radio. He's the host of the NBA Today on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He hosts it with Eddie Johnson. They talk a lot of terrible things about each other. Justin Termini joins us right now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Justin, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, well, you brought in an outsider, but you also brought in an idiot because I would have told you at the beginning of the season when I placed real money because I was never even a gambler, but I said, I think it's obvious that Cleveland's going to finish with the under. I think it was, what, like 53 and a half wins wow. uh, on one of those apps, and I picked the under, and I was feeling really confident, and then all of a sudden, you get the injuries. They're 13 and 12. I'm feeling even more confident, and now I've lost a significant amount of money. So why did I even bring you on if you have your head up your ass? I don't know. You're the one that asked me. I didn't call you and say, Ken, can you put me on the air? That's a good point. Uh, Justin Termini joins us here on the show. So the Cavaliers, are they contenders in the East? I mean, I would say probably yes, only based off the fact, uh, you know, I don't see a great team in the in the East. Now with the Embiid injury, you look at Milwaukee, they can't defend anybody. Uh, the Knicks are a really good team that I've got some confidence in, but they're also fickle. Uh, and then the one team that I think is head and shoulders above everybody else is the Celtics. But the issue with the Celtics is, one, I don't think they're tremendously coached. And two, they rely on the three-point shots. So they have more talent than everybody but they don't play the right way. So if you're going to rely on the three-point shot come you know, April, May, and June, you're susceptible to losing a series. So for that reason, I will say that Cleveland could be a contender, uh, but uh, you know, they're not as talented as Boston. But if it's one team to beat and that one team is shooting threes nonstop, then yes, they can beat anybody. To Danny Cunningham in for Anthony Lima today. What do you think Donovan Mitchell needs to do or continue to do to find himself in that MVP discussion? Well, I have an MVP vote, and I don't think he can be in the discussion. I think there's like five or six guys that I would put there. Uh, and when I say discussion, I mean like guys capable of getting a top five vote. Uh, so as of right now, I would say that, you know, you eliminate Embiid because he's going to miss the, the amount of games. Uh, but it's like Jokic, it's Shea Gildas-Alexander, it's Giannis, it's Luka, it's Tatum. Maybe Kawhi slips in there towards the tail end the way that they're playing. I think Donovan Mitchell – uh, you know, probably is in the top 10, but I don't think he's a top five guy. Huh. Justin Termini joining us here on the show. Do you believe that Donovan Mitchell is the long-term answer for this team? Do you believe that this team is the long-term answer for Donovan Mitchell? 
Uh, I think when he sees the way that they're playing, they should be. But is Donovan Mitchell concerned about winning? Or is Donovan Mitchell concerned about being in New York City or Miami? Because, again, he didn't like being in Utah. And I think over the five-year stretch he was in Utah, they actually had more wins than anybody else in the Western Conference. So I think you look around, you see the age of Darius Garland and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and you say, we're already this good. We can grow together. Maybe we can add a piece or two. Uh, It should be the right fit. But is Donovan Mitchell's head in a place where he cares about winning, or is Donovan Mitchell one of those guys that's going, uh, I don't necessarily care about winning as much as where I'm living. Can Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland coexist? Uh, I mean, we're going to see right now. I didn't like it at the outset of the season. I didn't love it last season. One of the reasons I thought Donovan Mitchell took too many shots didn't involve his teammates enough. Uh, like, I like the idea of kind of shifting him over to point guard, which we've seen uh, since Garland was out and kind of since he's come back. I think he's really fit into that role. Uh, so uh, maybe, uh, but I guess I would say, like, it was a concern of mine prior to the injury when Garland went down, just based off the fact that I think Mitchell uh, looks too much for his own shot, which has changed a little bit here to me uh, over the last month or two. How often does Evan Mobley need to find himself behind the three-point line for the Cavs to be successful offensively? Yeah, I think that was the part, right, that kind of led to maybe the resurgence a little bit was the idea that the spacing was better because you didn't have two non-shooters out there with Mobley and and Jared Allen. so I would have hit three the other day, I think, against San Antonio. It went three of three, I think, in that game. Uh, so that would, certainly would help out their, their spacing and help you play both Allen and uh, Mobley at the same time. And really, I, you know, from, from the outside, I've been disappointed in his offensive progression over the first three years. Like defensively, I voted for him top three uh, defensive player of the year last year. Uh, but from an offensive perspective, it has been a tad bit disappointing. Cavs last year were a team that finished below 500 on the road, and that's typically a good tell about how good of a team you are. And I understand Denver did the same thing and won a title, but this year they've got the best road record in basketball. Do you read into that growth at all as far as them as a contending team? Yeah, I mean, I look at two things when you're, you're looking at, like, the standings, and this is something like Dunleavy Sr., the former executive coach and player, told me, as you say, if you look at the point differential, that tells you how seriously to take a team. Uh, and then you also look at, at their road record, and that's another indication of, like, really how good a team is. Uh, and you look at both of those. I mean, they're above five in point differential. That's one of the better teams in the in the Eastern Conference. You look at the road record, as you mentioned, it's the best in the in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think that does that does tell you something. But you're also a little bit concerned just because you know the regular season was very good last year as well, and then they went into the postseason, and they were probably the biggest embarrassment in the entire postseason last year with how easy they they rolled over for the Knicks. So I think you know regardless, no matter how good your regular season is you're still going to go into the postseason, maybe not feeling confident just based off what you saw last year. How do they prove – Justin Termini with us on the show. I'm glad you brought that up. How do they prove they're not soft this year? Because I think a lot of people have that stuck in their mind about how things went last year in the postseason. Yeah, I think everybody does. Uh, now, have you improved, like, your your toughness and your rebounding? Because, I mean, you probably ran into the wrong matchup there last year as well with New York just because they're a, they're a tough, gritty team, right, physical team. Uh, but, you know, you do have plenty of size in Cleveland as well, which made it so surprising that they got outmanned on the glass like that. Uh, but that's one. And then I think you're a much better shooting team this year as well, which was a problem last year, uh, you know, especially with the Sam Merrill, which that's why these injuries, I think, were almost a blessing in disguise because you discovered him. Mm. And, like, he's a guy that should probably be in the three-point contest. Yes. We've been saying – see, I've been saying that on the air here with Tone 
And I, I'm like, well, is this going to fall on deaf ears nationally or something like that? I'm like, well, I, I'd like some representation. I think Sam Merrill would be the perfect addition to the three-point contest, Justin. What do I do What do I do with the Max Struess argument? Now, Lima, you know he can't stand Max Struess playing for the Cavs, all right? And his three-point shot is not that great. But offensively, they are clearly a better offense with him on the floor. Defenses respect him. How do I work with with Max Struess here for the rest of this season? Well, I'm actually on the the the, the, the Lima side. I've said this since they signed him. I said they're signing to be a three point shooter. Oh, you he's, ignorant he's sluts! A below, he's a below average. Uh, what you call me? He's a below average three point shooter. So I I agree with Lima. Well, then I don't want to ask you the question. Well, then retract it. No. But Merrill's fantastic as a three-point shooter. I love him. Uh, why is Donovan Mitchell in the three-point contest, by the way, instead of Merrill? Donovan Mitchell should say, I'm already in the game. I want my teammate to do it. He's a better three-point shooter than He's Donovan a bigger Mitchell. name, though. You know that. I mean, it's Donovan Mitchell. It's because Sam Merrill wanted to go on vacation. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Sam Merrill would prefer to go on vacation than participate in the three-point contest. Did you see that floor? There's no way Sam Merrill would want to be anywhere but that floor. That thing is cool looking. What Donovan said. Donovan said Sam wanted to go on vacation, so Donovan's doing it. That was a, That's a real quote? That's what he actually did say? That's what he said last night, yeah. He was the at the game. The guy just started playing, and he already wants to go on vacation? I can't imagine. There's no way he was being serious, Said he Danny. wanted to go on vacation, spend time with his family. Instead of doing three-point contests. So Donovan's doing it instead. He was asked, why are you doing it? And he said, because Sam doesn't want to. He's going to use this on his show later today. Do it's not... the truth. Okay, but I don't no, think he was. I'm going to look it up and then was I'm going to confirm it. Because I'm not going to take his word for it. He sounds like he's, uh, you know, you know, I don't know, the most uh, trustworthy guy. Thank you. Oh, that's yeah. an interesting way to put it. Justin Termini joining us here on the show. Danny, go ahead. Justin, if you were Kobe Altman, if you were in charge of the Cavs, what would you do at this trade that done? Uh, I mean, do they need to really do too much? I mean, it seems like they they have one of the deeper teams now in the in the league in regards to how how deep they go uh, now that those two guys came back because you're still going to play uh, Isaac Okur, you're going to play Karis Levert, you have to play Sam Merrill, right? Uh, you know, Dean Wade, Jordan Yang. So as far as like depth, you you have all of it. I mean, maybe you consolidate that for a uh, for a bigger name, but. Uh, you know, I don't know if they need to, to do much. What are people locally saying they need to add? I think there's some people who kind of are – they've stuck to a narrative of – yeah, that, that can be a loaded word to say. They've stuck to the thought of maybe moving on from Isaac Okoro. And I used to be one of those people, but here over the last month, month and a half, I go, you know, I do need some defense. I don't know what I'm going to get back in return for him. Uh, I think I'm going to need him in the in the postseason to play defense, which immediately some people had some smart-ass answers to, which, okay, that's fine. I, I don't think that he's been the type of player they hoped he would be, but I do think that he tries his best to lock everybody down, and I think I'm going to need help with him. So, And again, I don't know what I'm going to get back, so I don't know if I really want to move on from Isaac Cora. I don't think I would at this point. Yeah. He That's seems it. To be sh- yeah, he seems to be shooting a little bit better, which was his major issue. And I agree with you because you're going to get to the postseason. You're going to need to throw guys at, you know, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler and, you know, Jalen Brown and, and some of those wings. You get to the, the NBA Finals. The Clippers are really well. And I'm saying, like, NBA Finals is far ahead of ourselves. But you got Paul George. You got Kawhi Leonard. So you're going to need a wing like a, a Kuro to throw on those guys. Do you think Doc Rivers will fix the Bucks? 
No. Uh, you know, one, I don't think he's like Fred Arbeck or Phil Jackson. Uh, so he's not like a fantastic head coach. He's an upgrade over Adrian Griffin, fine. But two, like, they have serious flaws within that roster. They have nobody that can defend on the perimeter. Uh, so, and, and, you know, Lillard's offensive game hasn't been what it was in Portland. Like, all right, maybe that comes back. That helps him a little bit. But uh, their defense just isn't structured to, to make, to me, a, a run of the championship. So I'm not, like... I've, if I was like the top team in the East, so let's say you're the Celtics, I'd be more fearful of, you know, a healthy Embiid there with Philadelphia, even though come up short the last couple of years. The Knicks, maybe the Cavaliers. Uh, there'd be a, a couple of teams I'd be more fearful of uh, than Milwaukee, despite the fact that Giannis is arguably having the best season of his career. They just have no defense. Justin Termini joining us here on the show. So uh, I'm looking at where the Cavs have been. One of the big things – that people were thinking about with J.B. Bickerstaff earlier this year was that they might move on from him, right? And that he was maybe coaching for his job up in Detroit a couple of months ago. Yeah, against the Pistons for all things. What did J.B. Bickerstaff do? What kind of answer can you give me where this team's turned it around where a lot of teams would just go, well, that's the end of this guy. We'll, we'll see if we can do it with another coach. Yeah, it's funny because I like every once in a while, like I'll quiz Eddie. I'll say, like, what are the top five uh uh, MVP favorites right now, according to Vegas. What are the top five uh, title favorites? Who were the, the first five coaches to be fired, like the favorites to be fired? And I think at one point it was J.B. Bickerstaff, like early in the season. Maybe he was one or he was two, maybe behind Billy Donovan. And now all of a sudden I would say, like, if I was cast in a vote today, you get three options as a voter. Who's your first choice for coach of the year, second, third? I'd probably, you know, lean in the direction of J.B. Bickerstaff for one of those top three spots especially with the injuries he's been dealing with. I mean, you see the Lakers, the Lakers lose like the fifth guy on their roster and all of a sudden they're complaining about how they can't win as a result. Whereas they lose Darius Garland, they lose Evan Mobley. They don't miss a beat. In fact, they improve. And I think that's part of the reason they improved is just that that naturally like opened up the spacing a little bit, helped them rely on the three point shot a little bit. And now J.B. Beckerstaff, you would think, is smart enough to stick with that and become a little bit more reliant on the, on the three-point shot, which just wasn't there prior to those injuries. Speaking of the Lakers, I want to look at LeBron real quick. Is there a chance that he would actually leave next year? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he loves the movies. He loves that. We're, you know, being living in L.A., that's where his family's from. Uh, you know, so I, I don't think he would he would leave the Lakers. Plus, it's one of the easiest places for him to win because, like, he won in Cleveland. That's not easy to do. Winning in Miami, like, are you kidding me? A lot of people want to go down there and play there. It's easy to get free agents. Easy to get teammates. Still easy to get teammates in uh, in LA. And how they gonna get? You know, how's he gonna find a much better situation? He plays with Anthony Davis, so he's part of the reason. Like he goes to New York, where everybody wants him to go. He takes the ball out of J- Jalen Brunson's hands. I mean, is that gonna make him any better? Uh, New York. So uh, no, I, I think he probably stays in LA. But he complains the entire time about it. I was asked. I was asked whether or not I would bring him back last week, and I said no. And I caught hell for it because I my whole thing of it was he's pushing forty. Uh, you just said the LA thing. I mean, it, it you'd have to blow some people out of this roster for him to be here. I think it would be a major, major change, and I think people would be trying to rekindle what happened in twenty sixteen. Well, a lot's changed since that era. And what's going on right now? Would it be the prudent move to bring him here if he were interested in coming back? I ha- I know it's a it, it's off the beaten yeah. path here, but I had to ask. 
Well, as a talk show host, you should want him back because every single day it's a different drama. It makes your job easy. You don't even need to watch the game. See, and that's how much harder work I want to do for all the fine listeners of Cleveland, Ohio. Exactly, because you wouldn't even need to, like, honestly, he makes it so sometimes you don't even have to watch the games. You just come in and go, oh, LeBron's complaining again. What do you think about what he's saying? But, like, yeah, here's the thing with LeBron, and I brought this up a couple of times. Like, his offenses haven't been good out in Los Angeles. And my take is like, yeah, when he played for Cleveland, he made people better. When he played for Miami, he made people get better. But now that he's in L.A., he's aging. He can still put up these awesome numbers, but it's a lot harder for him to do. And for him to get the numbers, which he doesn't want to sacrifice, he's got to play a style that is not team basketball. So he's still going after his own numbers, which he used to be able to do, while also helping the team and also making his teammates better. Now he can't do that. So he's still going to get his numbers but it's not going to help the team. So his numbers are going to look the same, and you're going to go, oh, well, uh, LeBron hasn't fallen off at all. Look at the numbers he's putting up at the age of 38, at the age of 39. But the team's success is hurt by that. So uh, he's not the same player that he was a couple of years ago at all. Other than Donovan Mitchell, who's the most important player on the Cavs? Well, I mean, I think the guy that's been the best so far is Jared Allen. Like, you could make an argument that he should be on the all-star team, I think. Uh, that's how good he's been. I don't know. What what would you guys say from watching them every single night? Was there, like, a uproar that he didn't make the all-star team? Because I think it could have been the case. I mean, they're winning, and we got, like, two two guys from the, the Lakers who are losing. Uh, you know, two there's guys some from people the less than thrilled. Okay. Yeah, there's some people who are less than thrilled. I think Jared Allen's been the best, but I think the most important is probably Evan Mobley and how he develops. But I'm going to tell you this, though. Let me let me throw this back at you, Justin. There was a little bit of a groundswell. Like, I wanted to complain about it, and they were like, well, this is them getting you back for putting Jared Allen in the All-Star game when they were in Cleveland. And I went, oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, a small market like Cleveland's not allowed to have a guy. Well, I'm just saying because there were, people who, there were people who said that he didn't deserve it the year he did make the All-Star game in Cleveland. You know how many guys there are that don't deserve it, uh, and they make the all-star game like multiple times? Uh, and again, he deserved it. you got the second-best team in the East right now, and he's been, to me, the second-best player. All right, real quick, what would you do to change all-star weekend? Uh, geez, I mean, take take away the game. Don't play the game. I actually love it from a media perspective because I go there and I talk to like all these legends. I talk to some of the current guys. Uh, so it's fun from, from that perspective. I like going out and getting hammered and watching the slam dunk contest and the, uh, you know, betting on that with some of the guys I work with, but the game, I always leave prior to the game. So just eliminate the game, cancel the game. All right. Justin Termini, take care of your dog. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Take care of yours or Lima or, you know, whatever. I have two dogs now, Justin. Very good. I don't care about your personal life, Ken. <laughs> Goodbye. Justin Termini. Sirius XM NBA Radio, host of NBA Today on Sirius XM NBA Radio on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news is on the fan. It's brought to you by BetQL. Oh, my goodness gracious, yes. Bet smarter by downloading the BetQL app and use Ohio25 to get 25% off your first month. There is a new child in the world, ladies and gentlemen. That's our breaking news. We have a new child and we have a name. Lima and Sarah have had their child. Are you ready? Never been more ready. You want to take one more guess at the baby's name, the boy's name. It's a boy. I it was have, a son, Tone. I have said for six months that it doesn't matter what they name him. I'm calling him Enzo. It'll <laughs> always be Enzo the baby to me. 
when when <laughs> Axel and Enzo have their own show, it's gonna be Enzo the baby. Is it Tony Jr.? It's gonna be called Daddy's Drinking Again with Enzo and, and Axel. Go ahead. What were you saying? Tony Jr. All right, that's your guess. What do you got there, Mitch? Kenneth. The name of the child of the son, Mason. Mason. Totally threw me off. Totally threw me off. They named him Mason. Would not have guessed that ever. It's not Italian at all. Well, he does come from a long line of stonemasons. (laughs) Freemasons. Let's make it crazy. Uh, They gave him Anthony as the middle name. Ready for the weight in uh, ounces, pounds and ounces? What do you got? What do you got? Over under. I'm going to go seven pounds, four ounces. Seven, four from Owen. What do you got over there, uh, Danny? Eight pounds, two ounces. Eight pounds, two ounces. What do you got over there, Mitch? Let's go with 12 pounds, 13 ounces. The actual retail price. Babies, do they have in Strasbourg? (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Lima's baby. Nine pounds, six ounces. Danny, you are the winner. Uh, also, right, Lima wrote, Mason Lima, nine pounds, six ounces, huge, big hog. That's what he wrote. Someone said huge hog. He wrote big hog. That's the actual, that's what he wrote. Wrote the full name, nine pounds, six ounces, big hog. Guess the weight on that. Here you go. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations to him. Good for him, man. Everybody should have a son. Every guy needs to have a son. And he's got both. He's got the best of both worlds. Here you go. Has he went to get the milk yet, or is he still at the hospital? No. Guess it was a hellish night. They finally got him out of there, and here he is. What was the time of birth? I don't know. Sometime this morning, I don't know. I'm not asking all that stuff. I figured you were just investigating. He said same amount of road winning, same road winning percentage in the Big Ten as Chris Holtman. <laughs> That's what- <laughs> Someone tell him down at the fan of Columbus about that. A guy's kid is bored, and the first thing he goes, eh, it's the same road win percentage as Chris it. Holtman. And they said Buckeye Homer basketball was again. dead. <laughs> Back in the- oh, that's good stuff, everybody. Well, good for him. Very good on the bed. He's got two, and that's where he should just end it. Three is the real challenge. Just end it now. Hopefully he will. I mean, I, I don't know. I only hear one side. He just sends, he just always acts like he's miserable. And I always wanted a girl. Now all my buddies who have, daughter, who have daughters who are teenagers, they say I'm nuts. But we'll find out. I can't imagine having a teenage daughter. It's an easy experience. No, it's just it, it, I, I always wanted one because I wanted to be nice to one of them because I am. I, I'm basically, you know, it's, it's basically Ken Jong-un in there in the house. And uh, I'm, I'm a dictator in my home. And Danny got it. There we go. And uh, I just wanted one I could be nice to. And then when I found out Jonah was a boy, I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And all my buddies who now have like 13-year-old daughters, they're like, you're crazy. This is the dumbest thing you've ever said. The dumbest thing you've ever said. Of all the dumb things you've said, Kenny, this is the dumbest yet. And it might always be. Because the mental warfare that apparently goes on in that household between mom and the daughter and you and all that stuff, it is unstop mental challenge every day. But you get to be That's the hero. That's what they tell me. You get to be the hero in that case. Well, no, but now I'm just, I, I, all I now do is. Now you're just a dictator. Yell at everybody like Arlie Army.
Nine o'clock, we got Zach Jackson who joins us on the show from The Athletic. We'll talk about who has the real power in Berea, whether or not Kevin Stefanski has power over his own staff. That coming up. We just had Justin Termini on. And there was a lot of reaction to what he said. A lot of people were angry about what he was saying. I, I This is an outsider. Folks, I, I think what I'm happy about is this is an outsider. Like, we got the Tim Bontemps of the world who just dump on everything the Cavs could do every single chance they have. Like, it's, it's gotten to the point where I, I, I've almost had an unhealthy experience in listening to the man. And I've had him on the show before. You just dislike him that much now on that podcast. Well, because it's like, man, they... They're a 31-win basketball team. They di- they're not doing anything right. There's nothing they're doing right at all. There's nothing. And I hear a couple other ones, and it's not just him. You know, there's a couple other ones. You know, I, I mean, Howard Beck is he's been he's been positive, but he's been at times I go, man, this is kind of unfounded here. And some people heard Justin Termini, and I thought Justin was going to come out. And I really thought he was going to say, "You guys are wasting your time. They're beating a bunch of garbage." Because Justin could be like that. Justin could be a very nasty individual, and I don't know why I like him, but I always have. And he said that they're contenders in the East. That I, people can get as mad as they want to about what he said about Jared Allen, what he said about anybody else. He said your team's contenders in the East. And I don't know. So I don't know why people are mad. I don't understand why people are mad. Some people are saying he doesn't really watch the Cavs. He is a West Coast guy. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I think that, you know, how many opportunities does he get to see the entire game? I'm not sure. But I, I thought what he said in a lot of ways, I thought that there was some, there was things obviously I disagree with Justin on. But there's a lot of things I can see eye to eye with him about. And again, he said, I wanted an outsider's perspective, not just a person in Cleveland, because a lot of people in Cleveland go, oh, yeah, we're contenders. I needed a guy from outside to say whether or not you were contenders. And you might have disagreed with some of the reasons why, but they're contenders. That's a good thing to hear, everybody. I think that should be the biggest takeaway from that conversation. I do, I do understand why some people are upset with some of the things that he said. Like the Donovan Mitchell MVP discussion, I don't know that he should be at the top of it, but I don't think he's getting the love nationally for how good he's been for this team over the last two months that he deserves. I think that absolutely you could have a gripe with. Plenty of people are asking whether or not he named him after Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and you guys think you think you know my politics. Well, we'll find out when Tone comes back in a couple of weeks. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. There's always going to be things I disagree with him on, but I, I, I think that right now. You look at this team and you think, okay, are they contenders? Yes. What What is contention? What is a successful season? A successful season to me, uh, you know, I thought it might be the second round of the postseason. Uh, maybe I'm starting to think a little bit different as, lo- as long as everybody stays healthy. Because it, there comes a time where if you get hurt at the wrong time, that's just going to affect you against some of these other great teams. And I think right now, I, I, I don't, I'm not willing to say, even though you and Justin were willing to say that the Bucks are not the Bucks anymore. I'm still not willing to do it yet. Maybe I'll just wait until the postseason and things will change. I do think Philadelphia, I think you smell blood in the water there. Boston, we heard we had a caller earlier who said that the, the, the front court is not the front court. It's just a bunch of guys. I'm not going to go that far. I think right now of the contenders in the East, of the serious contenders in the East, I think it's you and I think it's Boston. I think I think New York would probably argue with me on that. Okay. Uh, I think the Bucks right now, I'm not willing to dime them out the way everybody else is. I'm willing to say that they're a second-tier contender. I think they're a second-tier contender. I would have New York on the same tier as Boston and Cleveland right now. Now, do I put the Heat in there as contenders because of the history? I mean, and they've got, I they've mean, got the you right seed, where right? they want you, right? Yeah. In, in the eighth seed, they look terrible. They look like a team that has no business being in the playoffs just the same way they did last year, and they end up in the finals. They've got you right where they want you. They are... 
the scariest team because there's no there's nothing that says they should be a good team. Like they've got a negative point differential. Jimmy Butler when he's on the floor, he's been okay, but he's not played a ton. Terry Rozier hasn't been able to fit in there since he's been traded from Charlotte. But it's kind of the same story with them every year, it feels like, where they just goof around during the regular season, and they are the ghost that you cannot get rid of in the playoffs. That's what they are. They're terrifying when it, when push comes to shove in April and May. They're terrifying. Is Zach Jackson more concerned about Deshaun Watson's health or his skills? That coming up at 9. And coming up next, what the Cohen brothers and Ken Dorsey have in common. Yeah, I bet you didn't think you were going to hear that today. Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham, in for the Tone Master General. Everybody's, everybody's saying Lyman named his kid after Mason Rudolph. Not good. It's not where I thought he was going to go. Well, when I told the story about Axel, everybody thought I was—I named him either after Axel Rose or Axel Foley. And I said, well, Axel Foley would be a lot better because there's, you know, but, and I don't have any problem with Guns N' Roses. And I like, uh, I really like Beverly Hills Cop. But I said the, the inspiration was, is I heard Kenny Kidd and Lima fighting in the background while we were filling in in the afternoon one time years ago. And I, and they were talking about Brian Hoyer and what his real name was and ah. his middle name or something is, is Axel. And I heard, I heard kid go right here. A hole. And he like swung the, well, he swung the uh, computer around. I'm talking to Spano in the corner of the room. And he says right here, a hole, Brian Axel Hoyer. I went, Oh, Axel's a good name. <laughs> and I took ah. it home to Liz and Liz liked it. And that was it. And everybody's like, you named your kid after Brian Hoyer. I go, you, you did fine. Whatever. There's worse names to name him after. That's okay. She wanted to name. She wanted to name the one kid Baker. She wanted to name Jonah Baker. I go. There's not a chance in hell. I'm naming my kid after Baker Mayfield. Why? How, how I many, go. I got to interview the guy. He's nine years younger than me. You know how weird that is. No. How many kids are named after Brian Hoyer in the world? One at least. What the hell, right? <clears throat> Can't imagine many more. Could have named him Johnny Manziel. Carmen. Could have done that. Zach Jackson, nine o'clock. Speaking of quarterbacks. I said, what does Ken Dorsey and the Coen brothers have in common? How many Coen brothers movies have you seen? What's your favorite Coen brother movie? That's the better question. They did the Big Lebowski, right? Yes. I, that, that one's probably my favorite. The Coens are famous for they've written the line, you say the line, you are not allowed to improv. They are very famous for that. Ken Dorsey was asked about his script and Deshaun Watson. This is what Ken Dorsey had to say yesterday. As a coach and player relations, there's some things that are non-negotiables where it's like, look, this is the way we're doing it. I understand there might be some pushback, but this will help us win football games. And then there's some things that you communicate with them. And there's some, uh, what are you comfortable with? Where are you at with this? You know, because there's the factor with if he feels comfortable with it, but then there's also a whole offense you got to consider with that stuff as well. So there's some things that we'll go through and say, hey, you know, if you're not comfortable, we won't do it that way. You know, or there's some things that, hey, look, this will help us be better on offense. We will do it this way. But there's conversations to be had in that regard down the line. In terms of that, we're not quite there yet. There will definitely be conversations on things like that down the line, but that's step 75 or so, and we're on step five. But, yeah, obviously, if it's something that he has a conviction about, then we'll, we'll talk about it and make sure we're doing the right thing for us as an offense moving forward. And, obviously, a key part of the offense is the quarterback playing at a high level. So it's not full ass on, and this is why I really do believe that Ken Dorsey will be calling plays 
I, I think a lot of people took Deshaun Watson's original comments about the the script the wrong way. Now, this is just me thinking, and I can't guarantee it 100%. I think what Deshaun Watson might mean, and I know he went back and he explained himself a little bit, is maybe he does feel that there is a better way to work the script that he would be more comfortable with, that maybe these are plays that he might be thinking, you know what, there might be a couple of plays in a 15-play script that you have to do to maybe throw some people off that throws a different look. But there's going to be plays in there, and maybe it's more than a couple of others, that he never wants to run because he's always going to be uncomfortable with them. And so maybe there's going to be a little bit of a different mix. I have to agree with Ken Dorsey because there's a way that you go about trying to win a football game. It is a giant, violent chess match. And you have to figure out what they've been watching on tape, what you think they've been watching on tape, and that is all done during an unlocking process during the script. And sometimes it used to be 10 plays, it was 12 plays, now it's 15 plays. At some point, maybe it's 20 plays, or maybe it'll go back down over time. Maybe it will because of the change of quarterbacks that happened. Because I do believe that Deshaun Watson is a feel-it-out type of guy. And I think that his stats over the years and his type of play over the years has proven it. But I think that you have to trust each other that I'm putting you in the best position possible so you can unlock a defense and know what you're seeing later in the first quarter, second, third, fourth, to finish out a win. I do think that you can be a feel-it-out type of guy, but I don't understand why this can't be part of the feeling-out process. Now, there might be some things that, as a quarterback, you're uncomfortable, and okay, maybe those things shouldn't be part of the playbook, shouldn't be part of the game plan, because ultimately, we've talked about how Watson's the guy with the power right now, but... In that, you have to put him in the comfortable spots, Mm. right? But you still have to figure out what are those comfortable spots going to be throughout the game. That's the whole purpose of the script. It's to see how the defense is going to react to the way the Browns line up in certain formations, what they do with certain motions. When they see a certain route concept on the outside, what do they do? Do they switch things in terms of defensive back? Are they playing more zone, more man? Like That's all the, the whole purpose of the script. I didn't understand, for me, Ken, what was so uncomfortable about it? Because it's not as if once you're off the script, you just get to do whatever you want. It's not like you just get to no. go out there and play backyard football well, when no, the script's because it, over. It, because that's the, that destroys the point of having a script. The whole point of having a script is learning about the other team and yeah. figuring out their tendencies and figuring out what they've tried to correct, what they're still correcting, what they haven't corrected, and trying to attack the weak spots. You don't just go through a 15-play script and go, all right, the hell with it. Now we can really have some fun. That's yeah. not the point of having a script. That's why I didn't understand what Watson was upset or uncomfortable with about think, with the script. But I do think, and that's why I'm, I'm, and I'm only trying to put together some theories that are only my theories on what he had said a couple of weeks ago. The reason why I think he might have said it is that there might be a might be a set of plays in the script or possibilities in the script that he knows, and and that's got to come down to a trust thing because it's got to be talked about whether or not this why you think isn't going to work, this is going to work, and we can make this thing happen together. And I don't know if that's actually happened. That's why I'm starting to feel that Ken Dorsey being brought in as a fresh perspective is going to be the guy who's calling plays next year. I still don't think he's going to be the guy calling plays. Okay, maybe he'll end up being right. And I think they're still going to have a script. Maybe the playbook might look different. I would bet that it does. I think Ken Dorsey's going to have a lot of input there. They're going to be running different things offensively than they ran with Joe Flacco, than they even ran with Deshaun Watson when he was healthy during this year at whatever points he was actually on the field. It's going to look different than it has in the past. But that does it it can look different because of Ken. That doesn't mean he has to call plays. doesn't mean you get rid of a script. It doesn't mean that you have to. Essentially, I think that's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. If they're willing to say it, 
you know, the, the, the whole point of it being said, if he's willing to say it, does he feel more comfortable saying it now than he ever did? You know, there's a comfort to, well, okay, finally it's changing, so now I can say it. I can say these sort of things where I wouldn't before. Because before it might have had an adverse effect. Now things are changing, and this is why it's changing. That's why I start to think about that. Would he have been talking about Deshaun Watson? Would he have been more tight-knit had he known that Kevin Stefanski is still coming back and calling plays? Well, we'll find out. Because that was a conversation that got a lot of people riled up. Now, I think, obviously, we get riled up over everything the guy does because it's Deshaun Watson. But I think that got a lot of people riled up, and I don't think he would have made that comment had he had known for sure that Kevin Stefanski is coming back because then that makes people doubt the type of play calling it is. If you make that comment, and Kevin Stefanski is still calling plays next year, and things do not go that way, we are going to get call after call after call going back to that comment about the distrust or the discomfort of Deshaun Watson during that 15-play script. 216-474-0092. We got Mitch Please at 940, which Meredith might have to get involved in. And coming up next is Kevin Stefanski have the power over his own staff and whether or not you really even think he should. Zach Jackson from The Athletic joins us next on The Fan. Take us with you to work on the free Odyssey. It's Carmen and Cunningham in the morning. No, Danny's in for uh, Tone today. Tone has had his baby. Zach, did you get the text from Tone yet? No, I was going to ask you if he's on paternity leave or if he took the week to do Ohio State basketball fan podcast. I wasn't sure. Uh, No, he didn't. However... Uh, you didn't hear this text, did you? I said it on the air about 40 minutes ago. Well, you don't listen to this show, so what the hell? Um, uh, I, I, I was listening, and uh, league sources had confirmed to me prior to that. So good for Lima. I mean, he doesn't have much good in his life. Yeah. So let's just be honest. How sick is he when he says that his son has the same road win percentage as Chris Holtman in the Big Ten? He sent me the same. If this was visual, I would show you my text. Right now. He sent me the same text. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Zach, I got I to gotta get down to some business here. Um, who, who has the power over the coaching staff with the Cleveland Browns? I think the head coach does. Um, I, I don't. Whoa! You know. Danny, you got to do it too. Whoa! Whoa. Wow. How, why? Because a lot of people don't think he does. That. Yeah. Um, I think in general, there's probably times and probably at least a semi-fair worry about the number of voices and about some things that have gone on there. But um, I think there is true collaboration. Um, I think, I know, Ken, that this group has earned some benefit of the doubt, some cachet, certainly um, a thousand percent compared to its predecessors. But I think in general, when you look at what they've done and what they just did, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, we're new here um, going to year five of a regime because that's double at minimum what the previous regimes had been. So change is part of it. So without disparaging anyone, certainly Bill Callahan and the Browns are worse for that. Like, sometimes you have to make the change. Like, whether it was Kevin 60%, 80%, or 99%, he didn't do it lightly on the other changes, right? Um, just like last year, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, he, he carried some regret and some worry should he have done the Joe Woods thing earlier, you know? The Mike Prefer thing dragged well after the Super Bowl, right? So... This, this is how it goes. And uh, honestly, one of the analogies that was made to me is that it's like free agency, right? Like 
in the coaching game and in this, you're not, everyone's not going to be a hit. Some are there for a short time and it's great. Some are there and, and contribute a little, and then it's time for them to go for the greater good of everything. So change is part of it. Um, Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. I think that he's on at minimum good footing. I think that's obvious. And, um, I, you know, to me, the next steps for the Browns are uh, handling the success and then, you know, taking this approach that they've taken to the roster and, and maximizing this window because they need to do that. Um, they are an older roster and the window is open. Um, and what we're all kind of guessing and, and arguing about, I guess, to an extent is how close really are they to the top of the AFC? Um, it needs to be right now in terms of staying there and in terms of closing, whatever that gap is. Zach, when Ken was asked about play calling yesterday, he made the comment that he just wants to win and he'll do whatever it takes for that to be the case. Did you read into that, that he's going to be calling plays or he's not going to be calling plays? Yeah, I, I read into that specific one, Danny, that he was coached on that, that question's going to come. And it was a really clumsy answer. He's a really intelligent guy. And I, I remember that from way long ago. Um, you know, I've read into the situations that I believe he's calling the plays, but I've tried to dig through that, and I've not gotten a firm yes that I'm right. I, some people in the league believe that. Um, a week ago today at the Senior Bowl, you know, people believe that. Um, but I, I, I don't know that for sure, and I didn't read anything into yesterday. I mean, it was a – you know, he's 1-0 with Kevin Stefanski, right, because to, to get up there and say nothing – um, but be polite about it. That, that's Kevin's dream. That's what he, he tries to achieve three times a week, right? So um, I think he'll call the plays. And, you know, frankly, I, I'm not sure what – I do find it strange if that's how that it goes to some extent, but I'm not sure that it's either cause for alarm or cause for celebration at this point. I think it's just something we, we need to – let's see how it goes and later see if we can get any more insight as to the why. How concerned are they in their front office with the future of Deshaun Watson and how well he can play? Uh, I think they're super concerned, Ken. Um, I think that they've seen bright spots like we have. Um, I think there is a belief, and I think this change was was driven by um, we need to do more. But but he really did play well in those two November games, right? And um, even though it's going to be different with the coaching approach and, you know, now some what they went over last year in terms of how they got him ready or why he wasn't super in, in September. Um, you know, I, I think that there's still optimism, but is there some worry? Sure. Cause can this, what it comes down to is there was never going to be any middle ground with this, right? Uh, it, it was either going to be spectacular and the Browns are going to play deep into January and win big prizes or it's going to be a bust. And the AFC is loaded. The division is, is competitive and as tough as we have all thought, and to some cases worried that it might be. And if he's not really, really, really good, then they're not going to be at the top of the AFC. So he doesn't have to be better than everyone, specifically the one that we're always watching at this time of year. But he's got to be better than most of them um, for the Browns to keep this window open and to keep pushing it forward. So, Zach, why should we believe that Ken Dorsey's the one that can fix him? I, I can't tell you on that, Danny. I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to have to see that. Now, Ken Dorsey, as a quarterback's coach, was in Buffalo when Josh Allen was taking his biggest leaps. You know, uh, Ken Dorsey has called plays. He's seen this league from a lot of angles. And 
is a super intelligent, respected guy. Um, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say that the Browns are a ton better right now and that Dorsey's going to do this, this, and this that other people didn't do. You know, I think it comes down to Deshaun being healthy. I think it comes down to not just upgrades in the receiving cores, but better fits than last year. I mean, I think Elijah Moore can help a team win. But, I mean, the chemistry with he and Watson was a disaster last year. You know, um, I think there's a chance Cedric Tillman becomes a, a quality NFL player, but it's it's leaps and bounds from where he is right now. So they they got to make some decisions with Ken Dorsey being a part of it on how they want to shape things. Do they want to chase another tight end? You know, do they can they find a deep ball receiver? Can they draft a guy? Think down the road. Um, their draft philosophy is to think down the road, but like the road is right here with Amari Cooper in his age 30 season. <laughs> right mm-hmm. um with, with Najoku finally having this breakout and, and with what's at stake I mean they're going to continue to spend um and it's got to be right now so to me it's not just about acquiring more talent for that offense although I think the receiving group certainly needs it they what Ken Dorsey and Kevin Stefanski have to find is that vision and then find these new players to fit it to continue to unlock Najoku who's really his best games didn't come till after Watson was out either and that's that to me is, is a major concern. Um, and, and to, uh, you know, just give him guys that he can get in a rhythm, um, hit the simple one. And, and last year they really thought that they had guys who could take quick ones and, and turn them a long way. And we didn't really see that till the end with Najoku. Zach Jackson joining us here from The Athletic. I, I believe you wrote last week, you, you talked to Andrew Barry, said that he doesn't, as of right now, doesn't necessarily believe that Watson has to be restructured for this season. Yes, um, and, and I believe that's true to an extent. Now, I believe that ultimately it will come to doing that. But, I mean, when you just look at it, Ken, um, based on some other restructures that are anticipated and, and some basic things, he doesn't have to. But I think to give them the kind of flexibility and then ultimately the rollover, you know, following the plan that they have, um, I think that he will. I think it's borderline gimme. But um, when he said that, like, it, it, it does kind of – add up that they wouldn't necessarily have to do, have to do that. But the, the restructure, which is the Browns right to do it. It's not like you have to sit down and go through it um, would create 30 some million, you know, which would give you the opportunity to be where they want to be, which is knowing that they're going to roll it over um, and, and knowing they have to, you know, the, the cap is not a problem problem, but it's certainly something they have to be conscious of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but having that flexibility to do different things as they go, um, one of the things of last year is they were really good way after March and April on adding. And this was even before Joe Flacco came along, right? They got Darius Smith on a May Friday night. They added Shelby Harris, who was a really good player on that defense. Um, so it's just kind of having that flexibility and going as you go through the summer and are you forced by injuries or which of your young players that you're counting on look ready and which ones don't. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of times, that's that's stuff you just can't judge right now in February, March. A lot of times, you have to get out there and and hope that they've developed and hope that everyone's healthy and see. So, you know, with the Watson restructure, with the Nick Chubb restructure and Jack Conklin restructures, they can create almost as much money as they need for the short short term. So, I expect that to happen, but I understand why his answer was that they don't necessarily need to do that. Zach, how much say do you think Ken Dorsey will have in replacing Bill Callahan along the offensive line? Yeah, that's a great question, Danny. I was kind of wondering that yesterday. Um, you would think a lot because 
it is a little strange that these other guys were hired before the coordinator was hired, right, which adds kind of a layer of, of uncertainty to this whole thing. But, um, you know, those guys are, are proven coaches in their own right, um, even though they they come from different backgrounds, and we'll see. Um, you know, I still think there's a really good chance that they hire Scott Peters, who's been here, um, and then kind of reshuffle from there. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not 100% sure – that the staff has done even outside of Callahan. I think they would ideally like it to be, but um, I, I think that's probably something that I'm, I, I can't answer for you any better right now. And we'll see in, in 10 days or two weeks. Zach Jackson joining us here on the show um, for Amari Cooper and his contract. You mentioned he's 30 years old. Is there any room at the end for a free agent at all to add on? Or are we just kind of shouting into the wind here, buddy? No, it it could be. I, I don't think it's the it's the guys or guy or guys that get get mentioned there, right? Like, the two simple reasons that T. Higgins is a pipe dream is that if he does hit free agency, he's going to make a ton of money. But why would the Bengals let him free? Like, why wouldn't they tag him and trade him, right? So, um, I think that makes sense, Ken. I think um, that maybe the defensive line again, if there is a big splash in free agency kind of maybe makes more sense and then you would go like veteran number two ish three ish receiver um before you add in the draft so we'll see um yeah i I mean amari's gonna make a lot of money and amari's still worth a lot of money there's there's no doubt about it but it is gonna be year 10 it is gonna be his age 30 season and um the contract was kind of structured that in a certain way you could have let him walk well when you look at the state of things you couldn't let him walk and that includes him being a really good player still so if you're going to have to manage him through, or you're going to have to deal with maybe a short-term absence. Yes. So you do need more veteran presence there. Um, you know, you would love to have a first round pick and either draft your left tackle or number one wide receiver of the future. So you don't, and that hurts. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what they do there, but I do think both a veteran and a rookie wide receiver um, are, are in the cards. And then it's like, are you going to take a true slot guy? Does he fit this offense? Um or are you going to stick to what they want to do, which is maybe take a developmental type receiver who's at least a year away, and then, you know, you're counting on now Cedric Tillman, Elijah Moore, and whatever lower tier, um, you know, free agent you would bring in, in addition to another Amari big year. So you're counting on an Amari big year either way, because he's Amari, and because you're going to pay him like 23.4 or something for next year. So Jed Wills is on borrowed time. You just said left tackle or wide receiver of the future. Well, Jed Wills is under contract fully guaranteed for $15 million this year, and then he's not under contract after that. So, so that's one it. way the Browns. So one way the Browns could save money is to do a long-term deal for Jed Wills and push that money forward. Is do you think they're going to do that? No. Do you think anybody would feel comfortable doing that? No. Right. And then your right tackle, you feel really good about DeJuan, assuming he's healthy, which is an assumption. And you have Jack Conklin, who still has guaranteed money and now is dealing with a second significant injury. So, And you have James Hudson, who's been a backup and is now coming to the last year and you've seen probably that he's not ever going to be anything more than a backup now for a playoff team backup tackle is a pretty important spot yeah so you at least want to try to look to upgrade that right and we don't know the prognosis on Conklin. that's the problem but he is under he has like five some million of guaranteed money and you know you'd love to have him play in right tackle for you I and mean, that's why they gave him this second big contract but i just don't know what the deal is there. And then you don't really have anyone. Allowed. I mean, I suppose that, that 
Jawan getting a look at left, but nothing they've done well, is um, has said that. And that's that's what's interesting about the new offensive line coach because you would think that person would have input in that. See, that's what made me kind of wonder here because I'm like, all right, could they put Dewan at left if if they know Jack Conklin's healthy, which I don't know for how long, but you understand. Could they put him back at right, and could there be a trade for Jed Wills, or that's just stupid? Uh, I would have told you a few weeks ago, no, but with an offensive line, new offensive line coach and a new offensive coordinator and not knowing Jack Conklin's status, I think anything's on the table. Um, I think under Callahan, he thought that Dewan was a right, and, and I think odds are the Browns probably think that too, but I'm not going to go any further on that because I just don't know that much about offensive line you know, or the thinking of whomever is going to be next up uh, in charge there. What do, you, what do you think, Zach, happens with Nick Chubb? I know his contract is similarly worked where there's an out this year. Do you expect him to be on the Browns next year? I do. I do. I don't think it's a certainty, but I do. I, I think Nick wants that. I think the Browns want that. Um, you know, the one thing I would say is this contract was always structured to where, you know, it's only four million for them to be out this year. The guarantees are paid. Like ahead of this injury, it wasn't a fully guarantee, right? And then last year, when all the running back stuff was going on, and Nick spoke up, unlike Nick for himself and for his peers, you know, Andrew Barry's answer was, "We would love to have Nick Chubb as long as possible," and that was a hundred percent true when he said that, um, and it remains that to this day. But he was careful not to say we're going to have Nick Chubb on this team for three or four more years. You know, like Nick Chubb is the one guy who could beat the odds and be a thousand yard back after this injury. I don't doubt that, but he's six months younger than Ezekiel and Dalvin. And we know what happened to them last year. And that was without major injury. So I think Nick Chubb comes back on a renegotiated number and that the Browns want him to be a part of an offense and, and help them win games. But we don't know the rehab schedule. And we truly don't know how that's going to go because it is going to be a negotiation because right now he's under contract for 16 and that's a lot. I said to Lima a couple of weeks ago, I said that they can't, they could never even consider moving on from him. They'd have to renegotiate or do something because the hit with PR would be too bad with the fan base. Yeah. Is that actually, po- well, you said, yeah, is that actually possible? Like they were like, no, we can't do that. Yeah. Of, I mean, yeah. no, I think that's a part of it, you know, and, and look, um, Andrew never says anything. Right. And he's really good at it because he's really polite about doing it. But when he comes out and offers up that, yes, we're going to have to renegotiate about that's a negotiating tactic. Yes. Like that's just yes. what it is. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, that, like I said, this is a contract you circled two years ago and said, Ooh, in 24, that's going to be interesting, but you never thought that Nick Chubb would get hurt. And so it makes it more complicated. Zach. Uh, hey, by the way, if he wins his third on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes, where does he rank all time? Honestly, Ken, I've been wrong a time or seven, but like the third time I ever saw him play, I thought he might be the best ever. I remember you said that to me on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, he's up there. It's crazy. I do think they're going to win. We'll see. Northeast Ohio wins either way, right, this week. So we'll see. Um, You know, they come here. The Chargers come here. Like this, you never know on an NFL schedule, but it sure seems daunting. and, you know, last year you dodged Herbert, you dodged Mahomes, you dodged Josh Allen. Well, two of them are coming here, you know, plus at Philly. I think it will be at Philly. I don't think it will be at Brazil, by the way. Um, but I, I don't know that for sure. But I, I would be surprised if the Browns are the choice for that one. Well, especially since high school football is so big in the state of Ohio. You can't do that. Well, you know, I think the Browns are going to be on the road week two, unless it's Monday night because of that concert. Yeah. So, Zach, thank yeah. you for the time. Thanks, guys. The outrageously wonderful Zach Jackson on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hey, real quick, if Mahomes wins his third on Sunday, where's he at? 
so I think it's a fun discussion. I well, that's think why I'm asking you. I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. But I think that the greatest thing is different. I think Patrick Mahomes is better than anyone I've ever seen play quarterback. Tom Brady, you name it. Tom Brady's still the GOAT because he won seven of them. All right, is he number two because he'd be – he uh, would he be two or three? Because Joe Montana is number two with four. So I would, everybody, I think, has said Montana's number one before, and then Brady beat him, and then Brady really beat him, and that's it. Like, I forget. Brady's won so many, I forget. I, I always forget about the seven. I would put him second because I just think he's a better quarterback than Joe Montana was. So I, I think the winning is a little separate from how good you are. I, just, I truly do not believe there's anyone that's been better at playing quarterback than Patrick Mahomes in the history of this league. I don't. When you say the best you've ever seen, like I, I always put that next to like Josh Gordon's the best wide receiver I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, he's not as fluid as Jerry Rice was. I mean, Jerry Rice was so smooth, but the best I've ever seen do it effortlessly was Josh Gordon. I, I think if he would have never, well, if he would have, it's sad if he, he never would have. Ten years later, we yeah, wouldn't have those problems. Probably. But he, honestly, like the, we, he came out and he said there were so many other things. Maybe he still would. I mean, again. Yeah. When it comes to Josh, I mean, I, I don't mean to redo it. I I think it's one of those cases where he's good at football and everybody around him knew he was good at football and pushed him into football. And there were probably some people who tried to save him from himself and save him from his situation. And then I felt that he felt that there was probably some responsibility to do that to that situation. But there was so much self-sabotage in his career that he had to have felt I don't think he liked football. I don't think that Josh Gordon liked football, um, which is sad because, I mean, it's it's just amazing how, how the laws of physics and God just come together where it's like this is the greatest wide receiver I've ever seen, and he, he is – even if he had his stuff together, he might not be interested in playing the game. Um, so that that's sad, but that's true. But I don't think if he – if he didn't have the type of personal problems that he had, I don't think he would have been available to the Browns anyway. Oh, there's no doubt um, that. So you you never would have had him, but I I do think he's the greatest wide receiver ever played. Now that's an abrupt right turn. He's the best wide receiver I ever saw play. I, I should say. Well, I think there's Pure talent. There's a big difference between greatest and best. I think for greatest you have to have longevity. You have to have winning. Like I think Donovan Mitchell's the second best player to ever play for the Cavs. He's not the second greatest. I think there's a big Ooh, boy, difference that's there. A hell of a conversation. I think there's a, like I think he's Woo! better at basketball. Donovan Mitchell's number two already. I think he's better at basketball than anyone other than LeBron. He's not the second greatest. He's Cavs. better than Kyrie. I think so. Yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell on the Cavs is a better basketball player Don't than Kyrie. Was. Think about Ky- okay. You said was he's better than Kyrie was at that time. Kyrie was pretty damn good. Yeah, man. Donovan Mitchell's incredible. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is incredible. <sighs> Kyrie is the greatest I've seen at certain aspects. Like, All I've right. never seen Let a below-the-rim finisher to, like I'm not him. trying to take shots. Well, that's what I'm saying. I've never seen a finisher like Kyrie Irving. I'm not trying to take shots at Donovan Mitchell. We're just calling it how we see it, right? All right. Donovan Mitchell's up there. I could try to tell you that LeBron creates opportunities for Kyrie Irving. But when you're on a team, and this is everybody's struggling right now whether or not the Cavs are true contenders. Right. All right? So you're on a team that you know is contenders, and you're getting everybody's best shot because you're playing next to LeBron. And again, nobody plays with LeBron except for Dwayne Wade. They play for LeBron when it comes to LeBron. Sounds like Ken Dorsey. So you're playing for LeBron. (laughs) So you're playing for LeBron. Now, I could say that LeBron creates a lot of opportunities. 
But there's also where you're getting everybody's best shot every single night. I'm sorry. I, I, I love what the Cavs are doing. You're putting me in a, in a place to be a heel here, and I don't mean to do it. And Owen's smirking over there. You are not getting everybody's best every single night. You are not. You're not, but that doesn't mean Donovan's not. I don't know if not, there's a team that is, but. Donovan finished, what, sixth in MVP voting last year? Yeah. I don't think Kyrie's ever gotten MVP votes when he was in Cleveland. Donovan is an incredible basketball. It's not to say. 216-474-0092. Kyrie Irving or Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> Who's the second best Cleveland Cavalier ever? Or if it's, is it somebody else? I didn't realize we were going to do this. Why not Hold Kevin on. Love or Tristan Thompson? Hold on off Mahomes. They're, they're top five. I know. Top, well, Tristan's top ten. Uh, Mah- um, Mahomes is top five. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Love is top five. All right. I would take Mahomes on this Cavalier. So hit the right music now. for power rankings. Let's go. I didn't mean to do this, but here I mean, this is the perfect. It. Yeah, I know. Here we go. All right, number one with a bullet is LeBron. Will never be changed. Number two is Kyrie. Do I really want to put Donovan Mitchell number three, or do I want to start a big fight? <sighs> Nate Thurman number three. No. Are we doing best or greatest? Because there's a difference. What do you, what do you mean there's a difference? To be great, like to be like Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. I think Mahomes is a better quarterback, but you need the longevity and the accolades. Like Kyrie is above Donovan Mitchell in the greatest argument, but Donovan is the second best guy to ever play for the Cavs. Oh, come on. There's a difference. For a man who deals in semantics for a living, you are splitting some hairs here. No, there's such a big difference. Owen. There's such a big difference. Come on. Help me. You believe you agree with him? No, I do. Oh. I'm trying to think of if I had to play a game tomorrow, I'd probably want to start Donovan Mitchell, but I need Kyrie right there to take that last the last two minutes. I need him to be the guy to go close out the game. Ice water. I mean, I like Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell. I, I got to tell you, man. <laughs> if Donovan sticks around, he becomes probably the second greatest See, player. See, you're talking about history. best and greatest. Okay, what if Austin didn't get hurt? Did. Okay, but you're saying the best and the greatest. You say there's a difference. There is. Is there? Yes. Is there? Yes. There okay. Is. Like, so like, you're do saying. You, do you think that? So who are you saying is peak, greater? Who? Oh, hold on. Who are you saying is greater? Is it Kyrie or is it Donovan Mitchell? Kyrie is ahead of Donovan on the greatness scale. Donovan's ahead of Kyrie on the best scale. Then where does Austin Carr fit? Because he got an, he got a knee injury. He could have been one of the greatest of all time. He, Where does Brad Doherty fit if he didn't have back issues and knee issues? Those guys are higher up on the greatest scale. It don't make any scale. damn sense at it, all. It, it makes Where's a ton Zidrunas of sense. At if he doesn't break his feet. Zidrunas, I mean, Zidrunas had great years after and that. And he was pretty good. Yeah. He, he was really good after. Like, most, most of his career that. was after the foot injuries. Man, so. I didn't even mean to get in this argument. Yeah, here you he got me going. It. You're welcome. Man, I don't know if I'm willing to put Donovan Mitchell number three already. It's been such a short period of time. He's been here for two years. But that's the greatest thing. He's already it's, second, I think, in 40-point games in, he is. in Cavaliers history. He had more 40-point games last year than anyone other than LeBron has had in their entire Cavaliers career. Okay, well, Mitch, who do you got? Top three, go. Right now, go. Top three has got to be uh, Mark Price three, Kyrie stop, two, LBJ one. You gotta play that the music. Dude, I'm sorry, that's my fault. Music, Mitch. That's my fault. That's my fault, man. If you get, if you get talking. the music Mitch, on time, you, you would have had that right the first that's time. That's my fault. No, that's Mitch, my fault. You I'm, wait I'm for blaming, the music. I'm blaming myself. Mitch. I'm blaming myself. Count to one Mississippi and wait for <laughs> Here we go. Go ahead. Number three, Mark Price. Number two, Kyrie Irving. Number one, LeBron. 
Don Mitchell's four, but it's a close four between him and Price. Damn it, friend, he got a deep. Mark, man. If Mark played today, where would he be? Well, he'd be known as the oldest basketball player in NBA history. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Put put Mitch on the board. Put a puppet on the board. I'd rather have it than that, that comment you just made. Don't be mad that I'm smarter. I'm gonna say LeBron, Kyrie. I'm gonna say Mark Price. I'm gonna agree with him. I'm not. I can't put Donovan up there yet. You're not gonna wait for the music either. Okay, sorry. Hit the music. Boom. <laughs> Number three. Mark Price for three. Number two. Kyrie. Number one. LeBron. There you go. I can't put Mitchell number two. You're high. You're in here on He's drugs. a better basketball player than Kyrie was here. I don't know how you can say that. Because it's true. I got a guy who finished alongside of LeBron James. Yes. It, that There is a lot of pressure to play alongside of LeBron there's James. There's a ton of pressure, but there's also a ton of pressure being the best player on a team that wins 50-plus games. But again, Kyrie was never the that. Best, they were the, not winning more than 30 the, games with Kyrie leading the way. He's the best player on a team that won 50-plus games and got embarrassed in the first round. Kyrie, Kyrie had to play against a guy who was playing against ghosts. He had to play with LeBron James Kyrie or for LeBron James. Kyrie court who's, during fan night. And LeBron is chasing guys who are either dead or who are watching from the stands. You're playing. You're, LeBron is playing for who? Will. Passed away, Kareem Michael. I mean, you're talking about that. Like, there's yeah. way more pressure on Kyrie Irving to perform than there's ever been for Donovan Mitchell. Sorry, Danny, you're nuts. That's part of the reason why Kyrie's ahead of Donovan in the greatness. Two one six. That this is frustrating. That's that. There's <laughs> it's the same thing. No, it's not. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. I'll hold off on the Mahomes thing. Like you said, now Josh, I'm just angry. You said Josh Gordon's the best wide receiver you've ever watched, right? Yes. He's nowhere near the greatest wide receiver in hold the NFL. On. I gotta go to break. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Who's who, who? Who's the better? I don't. Who's the greatest? Better? <laughs> is it <laughs> LeBron's number one? Is it? It's Donovan Mitchell already number two. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Also, Mitch, please coming up on the fan. I have spent the last few minutes in this studio screaming at some, some of you guys. Listen, I, I'm just talking about pure basketball. I'm talking about pure what I saw on the floor. You guys have a very selective memory of what happened when Kyrie Irving played for this basketball team. A very selective memory. It started, I was going to ask you if Mahomes ended up taking over number two. And then all of a sudden you brought up the Cavs and away we went. I'm going to get these phones here in a second. Then we're going to do Mitch, please. I promise. But like Jaden says, Twitter actions brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. I said, he said Donovan Mitchell, he's an alpha. Not saying Kyrie wasn't, but he's a better number one here than Kyrie was. You, I mean, you have given Donovan Mitchell Darius Garland. You have given Donovan Mitchell Evan Mobley. You have given Donovan Mitchell Jarrett Allen. Who did Kyrie have before LeBron? Dion Waiters? I mean, you can make the case that Donovan played some of the best basketball of his career with two of those guys out. I'm not saying he didn't play some of the best basketball of his career, 
But when they were here, I had a guy who had to fulfill a prophecy with LeBron James. Yeah. And he was playing against not just other teams. He was playing against ghosts. And he had to do it against one of the greatest assemblies of talent ever. Yes. Ever. Yes. Ever, ever, ever. You just gave me this whole thing about, oh, Milwaukee's not Milwaukee anymore. They're not. They're not Giannis isn't Giannis anymore. Uh, and I'm going, guys, you got, we got steamrolled by the Knicks and embarrassed. They laughed at us. That doesn't mean Come Donovan's on. not better at basketball than Kyrie was Lord here. Lord almighty. All right, let's see what Jarrett and Stowe thinks. Hello. Hey, I'd say that there is definitely a difference in the best and most uh, the greatest argument for sure. Thank you. And if you put there is, but Ky- he keeps moving the goalposts no, on me, Jared. Yes, he no, is. Not. Yes, you are, Jared. Do you have your own rankings? Yeah, you got your rankings. I mean, Kyrie's too. No, just no, wait. Hold on. Now you go. Go ahead, Jared. I mean, LeBron won, obviously. Yeah. Kyrie two. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell. I put him at three, slightly above Kevin Love at four. Okay, there we go. Jared, thank you very much for the call. Patrick and Berea, hello. What makes Donovan number two over Kyrie? People seem to forget how good Kyrie was. They do. I mean, these people, they they are selective memories, Patrick. Thank you very much. Continue. One sec. When you look at it, Donovan's the only one on this team that can score 40. That's not true. Kyrie played next to LeBron, who could score 70. Bingo. Darius Garland's so, got a 50-point game. One. One, exactly. That's one less than Kyrie had. Kyrie had double nickels. He was playing along next to LeBron James. Kyrie not in one of those games. and 57. Bingo, bingo. It's only one of those games LeBron Nick played. scored 72. 71. It was a lot. So what, Donovan scored 71 and now he's gone? Don't call I mean, him God, that, but he's better at a, basketball than Kyrie was. That's a very that, you 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 must hate him because the earth's flat or something. No, <laughs> Kyrie. <laughs> wait listen, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I so now Patrick, I said to leave it to basketball because I don't believe that the earth's flat. No, 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 no. But I'm saying Kyrie might, and so he's a whack job. <laughs> I mean, I'm this not, dude. <laughs> this, this this guy talking about Donovan being better than Kyrie has to believe the earth's flat. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on dinosaur bones, Patrick. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Are we ready for Mitch, please? All right. Yeah. We Our Mitch, please, comes courtesy. This is going to be an assist from Meredith Kane. This is Why don't David. You let Mitch set it up. Oh, yeah, Mitch. I'm sorry. I didn't it's know. Mitch, Mitch was on the phone. I'm sorry. Ken Mitch was on the over. phone. Go ahead, Mitch. I, I, I tell you what. I've had a, a rough morning. Yeah. I've been busy all here. I had to talk about my dating life earlier. Yeah, yeah. We had the whole thing last segment, so I'm going to let Meredith take over for me well, while the, I get this work done. Willing to travel 20-plus miles for some skirt. <laughs> oh, Mitch. <laughs> Go ahead, Meredith. What do you got? Uh, so the, the clip that I have comes courtesy of NFL network, NFL access. Uh, it was David Carr. He was asked if he thought that there was going to be a standout player in the Super Bowl. One covered for opening ceremonies, but, uh, for you, is there a player that'll the show? George Kittle. So I'm glad Taylor Swift is out of the country because if she sees George Kittle, <laughs> oh. she might rethink the tight end that she chose. What? That's all I'm saying. Oh, no. That's all I'm saying. He's married to his college sweetheart. Oh, okay. All right. That's my, that's my bad. That's okay. my bad. Okay. My bad. Shout out oh. to Claire Kittle yeah, out there. So, yeah, that was, that was David Carr making a really, just a Overall, really bad joke. It didn't land, and he got uh, killed on social media. Yes, he did. You are the biggest Swifty at the station. I am. I am very proud for you. Maybe in the cluster. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. You're allowed to love her. I I I think that I think it's wonderful. 
Uh, we're allowed to love love. Um, I I warned I warned you though about the Derek Carr thing. His family is very sensitive on social media. Where one day, and Andy Gresh might remember this, my buddy from uh, Boston. Uh, one day, I tweeted about Derek Carr and how Mitch. This is beautiful, by the way. Derek Carr needed to, like get out of Oakland. And the way I said it was like I'm trying to save Derek. I like Derek Carr at the time. Now it's he's not worth saving. But at the time, I really liked Derek Carr, and I took a nap because I was doing, like, the CBS show on Sundays at the time, so it was, like, a Monday, and, you know, I used to get, like, one hour of sleep before the sh- between the shows. I wake up from this nap, and I look, and it's nothing but Raider fans cussing me out, calling me every name in the book. I go, what is this? And I saw it was Darren Carr, their brother, and he's ripping me, and I got Gresh texting me. He goes, oh, you're getting the Carr family treatment. I go, what is this? He goes, oh, they're very sensitive people. They search their brother's name, and when they see it, they go right after. So when I saw that this morning, Meredith, I go, oh, You were worried about me, yeah, because I, I, did, I did quote tweet it and give my own kill him myself because I oh, thought yeah. it was an awful take. But I think with the amount of people that were going after him, I just mm-hmm. don't think that there's enough uh, – People in the car family to, <laughs> to really go after. I found myself in a bit of a fraternity of, of radio show hosts who have been attacked by the car family. Is there a point where maybe you would like that to happen? You could be brought in to I the would, family? Sure. I would love to be a part like of Like an oath fraternity. of omerta in some yeah, way? Yeah, I feel like uh, if I have a former, even current professional athlete's family attack me, maybe that means I've made it. Okay. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Thanks. I Best appreciate of all. it. I'll see, if I can get, see if I can get Darren, Darren Carr to come on out. Yell at you for it. Yeah, it was like Hit Pony texting me about it. A guy, a guy in Chicago texted. One of the other ones that everybody likes to write on, yell at on Twitter because he's always having an argument about LeBron. He got involved in it. I was like, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, it's a really well-known thing. The cars go after everybody. Well, you said it was Raiders fans too, right? Yeah. Well, no, they get the Raiders fans on you. Oh, so they weaponize their, yes. their fan base. Got it. Yes. They might not have a fan base to do that with now. Big thanks to everybody who joined us today. Uh, Danny, you were wonderful. Thank you. Jason Lloyd in tomorrow. That'll be fun. Can we get through a whole show without him eating his breakfast and putting his feet on the table? Over under when he puts his feet on the table and he eats his breakfast. I will write on a piece of paper, seal it in an envelope. We'll open it tomorrow when it happens. Are you back tomorrow, Gold Dust Woman? Uh, I'll be in the afternoons for the rest Ah, of the week. Ah, jeez. Sorry. Is Jeff back? Jeff will be back, yes. Oh, that'll be a hoot. All right. Big thanks to everybody who joined us today. Zach was great. Termini was great. We're back tomorrow, 6 to 10. Hopefully we'll get an update on Mason, the baby. It ain't the same as Enzo, the baby. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Go Cavs. Hey, sounds good. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.